This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. That was a bar. That was bizarre. We've never done that before in all the years on the radio. Rob's like, we can play to that if you if you want on the way out. So please welcome Eric Bazilian, Rob Hyman. To our studios. Good morning, gentlemen. Same to you. It is so nice to see you guys again. Delightful in the flesh. In the flesh. And as I shook hands with Rob, Rob was like, Yeah, we can shake hands again. (laughs) Well, remember they said, We're never going to shake hands. Yes. Even then I knew you got your hat. You got to have that human touch thing. It's what it's all about. I still have have, um, uh, calluses on my knuckles from all the fist bumps. (laughs) (laughs) It does take its toll after. You look like a professional prize fighter after a while. Uh, How how good does it feel to be touring, playing in front of the fans, meeting everybody again? I, maybe that's the silver lining of this whole... We have a song called Silver Lining, and it, it, you kept hearing that during COVID. There's a yeah. silver lining. And the silver lining is once once we got back and the fans got back, well, you know, every, and everyone was outside and, n- quote, normal again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, it was a real rush. It was four years since we've toured. 2018 was the last official one, and uh, it felt great. It's funny how many so artists that had tours that were truncated, that were stopped in the middle, that, you know, and then they're, they're, they're following through and, and continuing on with it. And uh, if there is that quote-unquote silver lining, you know, an appreciation of what it means to be in each other's company and seeing each other's faces and, and the, the importance of a hug and uh, all of that stuff is now, you know, and, and your music by its nature tends to celebrate, you know, the human condition. So celebrators. could not be better. So it's awesome. Yeah, yeah we, we were like sailors who'd been at sea for two years and <laughs> was our first shore leave. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, Steve and I were talking about uh, your appearance on the Goldbergs uh, uh-huh. this morning. <laughs> that episode shows all the time, and it's hilarious, especially after yeah. you told us, you know, because you were actually, so the idea is uh, they, they end up at one of your concerts at the end of the episode, and right. you, you were saying, yeah, they kept the cameras back, yeah. but you guys still look pretty good was, in the old yeah. garb. It looked we pretty good. We had the good. fog, you yeah. know, some distance. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, if we could only get a fog machine in here to obscure us, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it, it was, that had to be a lot of fun, because it airs all the time. That was a blast. We and they called up. it the Hooters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did. They did. Well, it was kind of inevitable. You know, the show's Philly-based yeah. and 80s, and we said, over the years, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have to uh, go to the wardrobe department, or did you guys uh, just have to go into your closet <laughs> and find stuff that you used? In to... fact, the first day was all wardrobe, and you wouldn't believe it was. We were on the was it Sony? I forget. In Culver City, the TV lot, and we went in, and it was just miles of clothing. Like even the extras, they have it really down, and they wanted to recreate actually the tower, a show at the tower. Yeah. Um, and they rented a theater. They had t- tons of extras, and all the extras you don't even see them, and they're all dressed in eighties garb. So. We spent a whole day, and back then we did colors. You know, we each were in a color. <laughs> yeah, so I remember. They had red had and yellow to. and blue. Yeah, and yeah. We, we did it up. The best were the wigs, though. The wigs were fun. <laughs> they look good. They it look good. It was spooky walking in there because they had mannequins with each one of us set oh. up. 
It, it was, was bizarre. It was kind of weird. I wow. think I got there a day before you guys, or I was there by myself. Yeah. And, I was, and it's just like I was in like Madame Tussauds. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, mentioning the the 40th anniversary and uh, just reading up a little bit, your your guys' first show was in Levittown. It was. Yeah. And what was that? Where was that gig? What was it for? What was, was it like? It was a club called Maddie's Place. Okay. Where David had played there with with his bands before, so that was sort of, oh, I, I can get you guys a gig there. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. it specifically at all, that first gig? I remember the stage. I remember that we finished, the, it was ni- June 1980, and uh, it was a few different guys in the band, different lineups that we've had over the years, but I remember finishing the show, because we had been in bands since junior high school, and honestly, this was kind of a last-ditch effort, I think, for <laughs> Our us. last band. We had done albums, we had major labels, you know, all the things you, you strive for, we had already done that, in a group called Baby Grand, among others. And now we're getting into our late 20s, into their 30s, and like, I don't know, we need something to fall back on. And uh, we we did this show, and I remember, uh, I can't remember the place much, but we finished, and I thought, wow, this could work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Really, I really felt that. And it was a, we were very much a dance, we were doing this reggae ska thing, everybody was dancing, and we, I just had this feeling that something was going right. Do you finally. remember where it was in Levittown? I do not. No. Yeah. Maddie's, Maddie's please. Go ahead. You know we had. (laughs) Why do you know Levittown? That's where I grew up. So I was just wondering. I mean, well, next time you talk to Dave, ask him. Yeah, I will. I will. And actually, quick shout out though. We only did one night there, and I didn't even know if it lasted much longer. But then our boot camp was a place called Vernon's, and Vernon's was a little bar, and we played there constantly. I mean, four or five nights a week. Well, this is special because Kathy believes one of you is her father. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't look at me. That's that's why she's at. <laughs> Rob, that you say that you were you're approaching yeah. your 30s and thinking, okay, we, yeah, this, this is the last shot. We had not long ago, we had Everclear in here. So Art Alexak, as the you know the lead singer and the songwriter of the band, was like when when they hit, uh, Art was already into his 30s, yeah, maybe yeah. his mid or, or or even late 30s, and and they were positioning this as this new band and they're hitting. And he's like, new band, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busting my butt for ages to try to yeah. get this, and it finally happened. So you yeah. guys were reaching that point, or maybe you specifically, Rob, where it was like, okay, uh, we one are. more shot, and then I got to get a job, I you know? Really yeah. That's, that's how it happens, though, a lot of times, yeah. and it's the advice that I've given of any, I doubt much of it has been useful to anybody, but I, I do say that you always, when you eliminate those safety nets and you, you know, you have that sort of, ah, well, I got this, if you just say, I'm gone, I, I got, and you guys were heading, you were at the end of that, out on the wire without a net, and it clicked. Yeah. That's amazing. It's really the truth. Yeah, yeah. And here we are, 40 <laughs> plus years later. It's a matter of finding the right people. Well, the people that, that you gel with, you know? I mean, Absolutely. You, you can be incredibly people. talented, but somebody else can bring things out of you, you it's know? It's the people, it's the time, it's yeah. the community. You know, yep. Philadelphia had, had an amazing live music community at, at yeah. that point. You know what we hear, and, and people will, whenever they know you guys are going to be on the show or whatever, in whatever iteration... That the, the the high schools and the shows that you've done meant so much to the historical pop culture fiber of this area. Right. Uh, do you have fond recollections of that, or was we, it? We meet people every day, literally yeah. every day. You played my high school. We, I mean, we did play a lot, but yeah. it's literally every high school in the tri-state area. Wow, <laughs> comes up to us. And, well, actually, you were a big part. I mean, the station had this contest. Yeah. Um, a couple things at MMR. One yeah. of the first things was Emerald City. We did a live radio broadcast. Played all you zombies, and everyone say, "Oh, that song," which we didn't. We had no idea that was kind of a throwaway song for us. Yeah. Uh, and then people started to react, and then we did the school spirit contest. 
which you guys, you know, initiated. And everybody wrote in for this free concert, and it was wildfire after that. That is awesome. Listen, one, one of the reasons, I mean, you guys have the tour going on. you got all these shows coming in. But, Rob, there's one I wanted to talk to you specifically. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I, told, I, I was talking to Nick, and I'm like, man, I made an observation about a song the other day. Never did I put this... This hit me in a moment as I was listening to a song. I was like, "Oh, okay." By the way, none of us—at least I don't—I haven't know, told them. I don't know what, what this, this was about. Yeah. And I was like, "I wonder if I can get in touch with Rob Hyman, Nick. Do you think we could do that?" And he's like, "Well, they got shows coming up. Why don't we interview?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah, and I can ask him about this. May go nowhere, but you co-wrote what I consider to be, and many do, one of the greatest love songs ever written, which is "Time After Time" with Cindy Lauper. Okay, so it was on the radio the other day. Still, just has that impact to yeah. this day. And I made an observation. I'm going to play the song from the beginning a little bit. Right. I'm going to tell you guys what I picked up on. All right. And all right. Rob, I'm... And, uh, uh, no, no. It's I'm not, scared. No, no, not at all. It's, it's a cool thing, I think. So this is obviously the song that we all know and have tried to sing in karaoke many times. But while listening to the beginning of this, I realized something. You hear the simulated hi-hat, the, um, the drum machine. Is that supposed to be a ticking clock? Could be. Because ah. <laughs> she, she, the, the, the lyric is, you know, the, the second hand unwinds, and I'm like, oh! And I hear, it goes through the entire song. Do you hear it? Yeah, I didn't make that connection, but I, I'm like, well, that's, that's a clock. That is. Will you confirm or deny? Uh, uh, confirm. <laughs> it's what we call a shaker. It's a little shaker. Yeah, yeah. And actually, mm-hmm. my buddy Eric here, who plays all those beautiful guitars and everything, uh, was all programmed on yeah, a Lindrum, uh, Lindrum yeah. drum machine, which Classic. is the 80s sound. Yep. And actually, we can thank Eric for I that part. I actually don't believe that. We ever those, it was ever mentioned in the studio that there was a connection between the ticking clock and that. I think it was just one of those synergistic things that it just happened. That happened. So that was what I was curious about. If that was done by production intent, you're like, okay, this song has a time uh, theme to it. Let's put this ticking in. It here. was the song's intent. Okay. Ah, yeah. It revealed it. itself. Like they say, right. with, uh, when you're carving in, in stone or sculpting away, it's that there. Not David. You're right. just revealing. There we go. I love that. Yeah, okay. I mean, it just felt good and sounded good. I don't think we sat down and said, we need a ticking clock. Because actually, if you follow the song down, real drums come in. Anton Fig yeah. plays. Oh, Anton drummer. Fig. Yeah. Wow. He's David on the Lightman. record, and he does what we call a side stick on the chorus. He yes. Click, click. Yeah. And to me, that's even more clock-like. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just really, the whole song had this life of its own. Actually, that rim knock reminds me a little bit of, of Zombies, and I thought maybe that, yes. that if David was influenced by that or vice versa. Well, it's David had already been doing that for years. Yeah. Yeah, David right, invented right. that. Yeah. Well, aside from he the beat it to death. Guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yes. Anton Fick was, was Letterman's I, drummer for yeah. a long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Band. yeah. Band. yeah. So I, I just think I, that song still is just so beautiful and so right. wonderful to hear. And and I love discovering new things about a song that's 40 years old that I never really had put together. And that's what's wonderful about great songs. You still have these little things to learn about them. All the time. Even if it wasn't mm, the intention, right? Uh, it still has, a like you said, a synergy to it. Does it serve as, because you guys have written your share of, of just timeless songs, 
do, do they service uh, sort of scrapbooks for you in a way? Because they put you back in, in a time and it's like looking through old photos when you hear a song that you, you know, can you, does it come with a whole con, you know, context of, of uh, thoughts and where you were at that moment? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I would have to imagine. You sink a lot into it, right? Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the stories of our lives. Yeah. And then we do find photos from back then like... <laughs> Look at my hair. Yeah. And then I think there's certain moments, too. You know, the records, people hear the records and the songs, and we always say we call it the 10-minute song. Oh, yeah, we sat and wrote that in 10 minutes. Well, yeah. the reality is that most of them take hours and weeks and months, and mm -hmm. especially in the studio. And when you find, uh, like, a certain overdub or a certain part that brings a record together, or plays a solo, or I do an accordion thing, those are the moments that really stand out. Like, remember yeah. that? Otherwise, it's it's kind of a blur because you're just in there pushing, like, it's a, it's your day gig, you know? You do right, right. Eric, did you write um, one of us, uh, or did you co-write that? with? I wrote that myself. Oh. So, um, while we have you here, and we're asking specific questions about specific <laughs> songs... Um, I love the beginning of that song because it's kind of a quiet intro, and then the band kicks in, and, and the music really takes off. Was that um, deliberate to sort of start it off a little bit slower and and, and then have the drums and the, the rest of the band play? Well, yeah. I mean, that's my my original demo of that with with me singing like the guy from the Crash Test Dummies. Cause that's the <laughs> you got to hear that. that. <laughs> 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 I, actually have, I actually recorded him singing one of us, which is which is no amazing. kidding, yeah. Brad Brad Roberts. Yeah, yes. But um, you know that's how that's just how I wrote it, and I wrote it because Sarah, my my wife, who was had just moved over from Sweden, just said, "Show me how you record something on that four track cassette recorder," and like I had that riff. Which I had played at Rob's on, on his guitar, and thank God he had rec recorded on a cassette because I would have forgotten it. Mm -hmm. I had the riff, so I put together a little track. I had a keyboard that does what Pro Tools does. It, right. I was able to program some drums and a bass, and I put that on two of the four tracks, and then she said, sing it. And I said, okay, I hit record and literally sang the whole song. So that That's was wild. a four-minute song. Wow. <clears throat> Eric, do you think any, uh, any hit songs have gotten away from you because you didn't have a chance to record it right then and there? Ooh, so many. Really? <laughs> For me. I, I've Rob? just been thinking about that because, well, sometimes you dream a song. I uh -huh. mean, you dream a riff. I've had dreams where it was like I hit on the radio. I'm listening to the most amazing song. And I wake up and I go, wow, what was that? And I will literally find, now it's my phone or a wire. Yeah, and try right. to sing something into it. But um, if you don't document it, uh, back then it was the Walkman, now it's the phone. We don't really notate. I don't really read or write music. We just, it's all in our brains. Right. So if you don't remember it, and sometimes you'll have this great riff that you're sure you're going to remember, oh. and you don't. <laughs> oh, my God. You mentioned the phone. Who, who was it? Was it, in, uh, one of, was it from uh, Metallica? Uh, uh, had oh yeah, had a collection of Kirk Hammett, thirty yeah. or forty songs Lost in everything. progress, gone, uh, yeah. gone. Yep. It's uh, the and I, it might have been like one of those uh, MTV. I don't. I wouldn't even call it a commercial. It was probably like a, a promo. But it was um, it was with Keith Richards. How he wrote was it satisfaction? Yeah, yes. Uh, and he was drunk. He was drunk. And he drunk and passed out completely. For, forgot that he had even played it. And when he got up the next morning and played the tape back, that was yep. it. Was the riff for satisfaction? Like <laughs> legendary. That's yeah. a good one. We right. should all be so I, lucky. Honestly, I would like to hear that tape. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a great story, but I would like some physical evidence. Would it be wild if that when he's drunk, he's completely like, uh, "Hi, I'm Keith Richards," because yeah. <laughs> he appears drunk all the time anyway. That, but uh, no, that 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 is uh, that's that's wild. The the um, 
you know, with with the state of touring now and and everything, obviously when you were touring then you had, I assume, larger equipment, but everything can be contained and whittled down. Is is the touring process just as arduous or do you are you sleeker and leaner and meaner when you go out for a big tour? Uh, good question. The production is more streamlined for sure. Right. And we we just got back from Europe. Most of our stuff is overseas, and particularly Germany. We, I think we did 30 shows in Germany alone. And most of our crew, except for our trusted monitor engineer, Turk, shout out to Turk, um, is all is all German as well. And they they have our whole setup together. So it's that's very streamlined. What's <laughs> not is if the act of touring. Oh yeah. You get on a plane, you get on a bus, you get you draw, get in a car, you you eat, you sleep, you do whatever you can do to get that, to the That's show. the same. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're not traveling by private jet or anything. So, <laughs> you know, that's arduous. I mean, and yeah. at our age it becomes a challenge and honestly we we met the challenge, but the production stuff is really we have a top-notch crew and they really make it happen. So well, what's more difficult than uh is it the, the act of touring or is it uh, listening to Pierre Robert's acceptance speech at the <laughs> Walk of Fame ceremony? I'm not going to comment. He will he insists <laughs> it's not as long as people remember it. I think it's still going on. <laughs> Can I ask when yeah, we're done? <laughs> when you are touring and, and you're, let's say, in Germany, where you know obviously they speak another language, are, are there fans out there that actually don't speak English and uh, just love the music for for what it is and don't even know what you guys are singing about? I think they all know what we're singing about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there are a few. Most most of our fans do speak very good English. Yeah, there's the occasional fan who stumbles. Over their words, trying to communicate with us. So we we had a band in here, gosh, a couple of few years ago, Kaleo, and they're from uh, Iceland. And there's a song on their first album that is completely Icelandic. I have no, and I have like I, I listen to it quite often. I don't know what, but I sing phonetically along with it. I have no idea what they're saying. I don't know what the song is about. So I wasn't sure if you guys had had, uh, you know. Run-ins with fans that like, right. actually don't even speak the language. Well, you know, we're lucky here because um, English is our first language. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. over there, they really are mostly fluent. Unless you get out into the countryside or, you know, we'll check into a little hotel and they're like, forget it. Yeah. And our German is, we can get by. We sing a fair amount in German. We wrote a song in German, speaking oh. of Icelandic. But um, we... Want to hear it? We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. We'll yeah. do it a second. <laughs> in G. In yeah. G. Okay. The title is in English. Uh, is it pissing in the right? It is pissing in the right. <laughs> we, I don't know, one day, it was really one of the strangest, strangest experiences we've ever had because it's like third grade German, but we started thinking, Eric's very fluent, I'm struggling forever with other languages, but he's, he's the man. But we had this idea, and this guy's drunk, he broke up with his girlfriend, he's drink, drinking beer and wine, of course you have to have the beer in there. A big grossing beer, big beer, and he's pissing in the Rhine. So that we we kept the title, and then we worked with our fans and promoter overseas. We said, "Hey, what is our German good? And what about?"
about the title? You know, <laughs> is, is that offensive? And they're like, well, no, I think it's pretty good. And now we play it. People are rocking out. The drag is, ironically, that they're having a severe drought over there. Mm -hmm. And if anyone has been paying attention, we, we were it's happening more now than when we were there. But the Rhine River is very low, and they have a lot of shipping. It's their main river, so I'm a little like, okay. <laughs> they, they need that piss now. Yeah. 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 More people go piss in the rain. Yeah. It's like the Panama Canal now. Yeah. Yeah. Raise the levels. Well, we're, we're good on the radio with all. <laughs> yeah, we we're, we're going to have a pissing on the Rhine cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Viking. Well, we, we've got our, our next guest. We're going to talk to a moment on the line. Dude, it's great to see you guys. It's wonderful to have you here again. Thank, Thank you for coming by this morning. In the flesh. Yeah, it's yeah. the best. Uh, so uh, enjoy All the right. shows, and we'll see you soon, okay? You got it. Eric Bazin, yeah. Rob Hyman. And our next guest is on to promote Welcome to Wrexham. The two-episode series premiere is tonight, 10 o'clock on FX. Um, and we have watched, you guys watched all, I watched all three. First, yeah, the, the three episodes. I've, I've got to finish the first episode, but it is fantastic. It really is. is. So well done. Welcome to Wrexham. And this is kind of the theme. Please welcome our friend, Mr. Rob McElhaney. Hey. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, sir. Uh, yeah, dude, so uh, it's on tonight. With, thank you for the, the advanced screeners. It is, dude, Rob, it's so impressive. It is so well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been, a, it's been a, a long journey so far, um, but uh, we're really proud of the show. And it's got such, a, such an incredible reception. Um, everybody that, that's, that watches it seems to really dig it, and uh, the reviews are like 100%, which is, always feels good. <laughs> Yeah. But most importantly to us, um, we had a, a bunch of screenings for the for the people of the town, and it just went over really well. There were so many oh. laughs and tears, and, you know, we really wanted to get it right for them. So my wife and I watched the episodes back-to-back -back yesterday. We sat down, and it's just, it, uh, it is addictive, and it's, but it's hitting everything in such a wonderful way. And as I'm watching this, it's also kind of a, a, a nice uh, tutorial for the, the neophyte uh, football or soccer fan, however you want to refer to it. Uh, it gets you an idea of how the system works, the pitfalls and stuff that we're not familiar with. And uh, and this town, these people, these legitimate, uh, you know, working class people and where this this sport, this this team means so much to them. And you you frame it, you know, in in um, the context of your relationship with the, the Eagles and so on and so forth and what it means to Philadelphians. And it's just it just hits all the right notes, and I don't know, um, you know, uh, the 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 group that uh, is producing it for you, but it just looks. I said to my wife, it's everything we love about Ted Lasso, but it's a real, it's a real situation. It's a real team. It's not like this is a scripted thing that you can bend it to whatever way you want it to go. Reality will determine how this plays out. Yeah, that's the scariest part of all of it. Yeah, is yeah. That we don't know how it's going to end. In fact, Sudeikis, um, who plays Ted uh, Lasso, came to one of our games uh, at Wembley this year, and he was just laughing at us because he's like, "Look, man, I I know how my show is going to end every year. <laughs> you guys have no idea what's going to happen." Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but yeah. I mean. Just in the very beginning, the whole endeavor, I wanted to make sure that we were making... I'm, by the way, I'm going to call it football because I don't want to get stabbed when no. I get back over to Wales. Understood. 
Yeah, um, but just in the very beginning, I wanted to make a documentary that was not about football so that anybody could sit down and, and watch it and enjoy it. And I wanted to make it about working class people and their love for for sport, but really their love for community. Well, you, you and certainly... And you, if you notice in the first two episodes, you don't really even see a football game until the end of the second episode. No. Yeah, you really you really touch on note, that note from the very beginning. Part of that going back to uh, your original home in South Philly, yeah. which was pretty wild. When you guys went in there, and it's cool to see your dad, too, because we know him. Um, when, when you guys went in that house... <clears throat> Was it, is it up for sale or when you were there or, or vacant when you visited? No, no, no. There was a, there was an occupant and he was kind kind enough to, to let us uh, to let us take a tour through it. Wow. It was like a time capsule. I mean, yeah. it really nothing had changed. Nothing nothing had changed in there. It was it was fascinating. What I love is you lead your own son into the room where you <laughs> with your brother, which is basically a, a glorified closet. Uh, I've had my share of those, and and um, you know. Uh, and putting it in context, it's it, it's great. It's nostalgic, but that whole thing about about um, the community and the familial sense of of celebrating a team and 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 with the the, the people who live in Rex and there's a there's a painter who's kind of going through a, a split in his marriage and he, he loves his kids and he's kind of juggling this. So the one thing, the thing that really gets him through is the love of this team and the hope. Of, of of winning uh, matches and all of that and and those stories, uh, Rob, just really are literally tear jerking because you know, you know how much it means. It's, it's like the, the whole purpose of what you're trying to do. You and and uh, and Ryan are, are 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 trying to give them back what they had because they speak so nostalgically of the heyday of this team. How did you go through the process of of honing down the specific townspeople you would focus in on? Yeah, I mean, we we started identifying people early on, and it was difficult because there are so many great people and so many great stories and so many, so many great characters. But the thing that I, I kept keying in on was who reminds me of the people I grew up with because that's, that's going to be where our emotional core is, and that's what's going to be fun and funny, and it's also going to be heartbreaking, and it's going to be full of triumph and, and tragedy, and that's what this show should be. And Sean Winters is a great example. He's that, the painter I was talking about. I grew up with that guy. I mean, he's my uncle. He's my cousin. He's my friend. He's somebody who I just know. And, it, and that, that's, those are the kinds of people that we started really keying, keying in on. Yeah, yeah. I no. mean, the, the Sean Winter's story is, is like so many others. I, I, like Steve, I got choked up a couple of times, you know, in, in one of the episodes featuring him. Um, I, I think, Rob, one of the things that uh, is part of this story and part of this documentary is, um, and you guys addressed it early on, but maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit, why Wrexham in the first place? Like, why was it this city? Why was this the football franchise that you and Ryan, Ryan Reynolds were going to buy and, and really help to turn that franchise around and help turn that town around, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, honestly, for the same reason. I, as over the pandemic, um, I just I started watching. You know, there was no sports on, and I'm a, I'm a sports junkie. And uh, when the Eagles weren't playing, or the Phillies weren't playing, or the Sixers weren't playing, I just started watching documentaries, and I started getting into old games, and I was watching old anything I could find, and and soccer. I was called soccer now for our American audience. <laughs> soccer was the sport. <laughs> They're not listening to this in Wales. Uh, sorry, guys. I know you have a big reach, but... <laughs> so, uh, I just started getting really invested in what these clubs m meant to their communities, and I just couldn't help but think, 
Wow, especially once you found you find out about what the system of promotion and relegation is. That's mm-hmm. just inevitable. It just does not exist. In no, it's insane. And, yeah, the idea that you can get kicked out of the league if you lose, uh, and 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 promoted into a league above you if you win. And what can happen is you can have these old clubs that have these storied histories that start this free fall, and they can wind up in bankruptcy. And that's what happened here with this club. So when we were looking for a a, a, a club, because I just thought it would be fascinating to to be become a part of something like this um i wanted to find a community that i could identify with and wrexham was that um i loved in the uh, the beginning where you and uh, ryan have to get on a zoom call and you've got to make your pitch to the powers that be uh and the attitude coming back is just kind of like um yeah we don't care that you're movie stars and tv stars <laughs> what are you going to do for this team uh and i, I could tell your legitimate uh, nervousness. It wasn't showing like you were, you know, frazzled or anything like that. But it was um, you. You were taking that that meeting very seriously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I because I knew uh, what the stakes were for them. I knew I know I know what it feels like to care so much uh, about about something. I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing. Is like you can you can take football, soccer out of the equation and and really put in anything whatever it is that that a community rallies around and sport is just a great it's just a a a great reason for people to commune and to get together and 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 talk and have fun and go through pain and and that's what we keep trying to push is and what we're really finding is that when we're showing it to audiences um women seem to like it even just as much, if not more, than the men. And some of the feedback we got from some of the men were that they were, uh, they were upset. And I said, "Why are you upset?" And they said, "Because you made me cry in front of my." <laughs> my <kids. laughs> no, in fact, there are two. Uh, there are two women who uh, appear in the uh, the first uh, three episodes that we've seen, and they're wonderful. And they are they, they they show that the connection to this team and the importance of this team to Wrexham is so profound that these women who you would expect to be talking about the knitting club that they belong to are all about football and all about what you know team acquisitions and all of that so it shows the different levels that it operates on but again you, you, at that core the, the the working people as you know and I I've I've had opportunities to sort of paraphrase it's a wonderful life in a in a couple of interviews recently the you know that that Jimmy Stewart talks about these are the people that do the living and the dying and the paying of the bills and all of the things that make a community and a town live and and hopefully thrive and so um that there is I mean you don't want to say that you know you're saving the world but this town is a microcosm for something I think we all experience and it just plays out beautifully so again uh, kudos to you and the way you guys uh, are depicting this. We don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, we are very encouraged, at least, you know, right now, and things look pretty good. Yeah, well, one of the things that was really important to us was that we wanted to make sure that we weren't coming in and saying, hey, we're, we're here to save the town. That, right. was never, that was never the intention. It was, look, we have been so fortunate. You know, obviously, I grew up in a, in a working-class environment, as did Ryan. And and we're so fortunate that we were able to, because of the strong infrastructure and support of community that we had, was go out and do exactly what we wanted to do with our lives. And we realized how lucky and fortunate we are. And so 
we want to look for opportunities in which we can give back. But that doesn't mean just writing checks and saying, oh, look at us. It's more about going to them and saying, what is it that you need? How can we help you achieve your goals? And that's what we've been trying to do all the way through. Hey, Rob, I'm curious about uh, what you found out about uh, Wrexham, the team and the fans and the town. That's kind of unique unto their own, not unlike going to an Eagles game. If you go regularly, you kind of learn the ropes about what you can and what you can't do. Or you need to know the Eagles fight song or... There's certain things that people do. Is there anything that you're finding out yet that's specific to Wrexham? Oh, yes. They all sing. Okay. <laughs> Everybody sings. Okay. It, all the, the, the toughest blue collar. When I say tough, I mean, think Philly, like Northeast, South Philly, Kenzo tough, like, like that kind of guy. Right. Yeah. They sing. Everybody sings. It's a huge part of the Welsh, Welsh culture. Okay. And I, I had somebody describe to me what it is to, to be Welsh. And he said, it's to be born with the fist of a warrior and the heart of a poet. Uh-huh. I thought, man, that's just so beautiful to hear coming from, like, the toughest hands you've, <laughs> you've ever seen. Like, you know, like, this guy has, like, beat himself into the ground to make money for his family. And he goes to the football games and he sings the entire the entire game. It's really quite beautiful. Nice. So the series, uh, Welcome to Wrexham, it really begins around 2020, you know, sort of in the height of the pandemic and uh, then progresses, I assume, Rob, over the next couple of years. And, and last year, in 2021, we were all chatting a, a lot about Wrexham coming to Philadelphia and having a, an exhibition match against the Union. And... Um, there are moments in this documentary where I think people are are being filmed and they didn't quite know maybe that the documentary was actually being filmed at the same time. When we were having those conversations last year about Wrexham coming to play in Philly, were we being filmed as a part of, as a part of this documentary? Yeah, yeah, no, I've got cameras everywhere. <laughs> you bastard. I've got cameras everywhere all, right. all the time. So you'll see. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, what's, what's very cool is that, um, you know, you're... I. I I'm, I'm glad be, we would have loved for that event to have taken place, but I, I think it, it's all happening uh, appropriately. And yeah. now, and now this is an honesty where obviously uh, we would not. Well, listen, you're 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 a dear friend, but this is really quality television. This is a really well done series. Agreed. And for anyone who has even a passing interest in Ted Lasso or would like a step a point to step off and sort of understand what this means. Uh, to uh, the these people and over in Europe and why the sport is so huge, uh, and here obviously we have the union. This is a great a great way to to do it. So yep. you know, I, I think it's going to be a huge hit in and of itself. Agreed. Yeah, it, it feels like it's it's playing very very well, and and uh, and I I truly believe you, you don't have to be a football fan to to enjoy it. No. Um, however, I think it's going to make a lot of, of football fans um, just simply because you start caring and. And, and loving this team because it's impossible not to. Hey, Rob, uh, we're not too far off a couple weeks from uh, the uh, Always Sunny podcast uh, at the Met. Do you guys know what you're going to do that night, or is it just going to we're just going to find out what happens? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of uh, <laughs> just sort of flying by the seat of our pants. That's been the uh, that's been the overriding principle of the podcast so far, and it seems to be working. So I think we're just going to come out and see if we can put on a good show. Nice, excellent. All right, well, we're all set. We're doing this contest, uh, a battle of the experts to see who knows most about always sunny in the area. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we've done a few of those and they beat us every time. <laughs> oh, really? People know so much more about my show than I do. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, congrats on the on the doc and just reminding people that uh, Welcome to Wrexham, you can catch it tonight, premieres 10 p.m. It's really, really visually, emotionally, humor, all of that is there. 
Uh, and it's on FX, and then it starts streaming on Hulu, I think, tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow, yeah. Uh, yep. and, and then each episode is going to come out uh, weekly after that. All right, dude. Excellent. We'll see you in a few weeks, okay? Great. Thank you guys so much. You rock. You're the best. You are the best. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Yeah. Right back with yeah. Always sunny in Philadelphia, of course. All right. And with that, we're taking a break, I think. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. Preston and Steve. Their name is their address. On on the web, PrestonandSteve.com. Hey, Window Nation brings the best of the home show savings right into your home. You can get two free windows with every two you buy with no limit, plus pay no interest for 60 months. Go to windownation.com slash home show and use their free virtual visualizer to see how their window options will look on your home. But hurry, these once a year home show savings end soon. Get two windows free with every two you buy and pay no interest for five full years. Call today, 866-90NATION or go to windownation.com slash home show. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. There's this interesting story. Uh, country music star, Church. I, I hate country music. I can't stand it. Uh, so this wouldn't be a big deal to me personally. But I hate when people cancel last minute on you, and I can't stand that. Uh, and he canceled a sold-out show that was scheduled for Saturday in San Antonio and it's all so he can go to a Final Four game between Duke and North Carolina. He's canceling his own sold-out show. Didn't have enough respect for his audience to lie to them. Wow. Right. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> right. I mean, somebody died. Somebody in your family died or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He didn't I mean, even reschedule. He, he flat-out canceled, canceled it. Yeah. People oh. made provisions for... Babysitters and altered plans and have all, whatever the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see the goddamn show, mm-hmm. and he cancels it. I mean, listen, this sucks for sure for people who you know bought the tickets however long ago and was excited about the show. But I don't have the same reaction that you guys did. Like Casey just said, a hole. Like to me, this is. I mean, it's his show. It's it's up to him. He can do what he wants. I, I don't find it. <laughs> so that, you'd be happy if you were. No, if I just yeah, said yeah. that. I don't think I, I get it. I get that it's an inconvenience for people and they're probably disappointed, but I wouldn't call him an a-hole over it. Well, I bet you some of the fans would. And that's the <laughs> and thing. I, and you guys would, but I'm just saying, I, I don't feel the. I don't get that reaction. I'm like, oh, no. that would stink. But I mean, the dude wants to go see a a game. I think that, I think that is a dick move. That, and, and I think that qualifies oh, for right. a-hold'em. Uh, it is especially, you know, People who will uh, look at you. We, we were talking about with Taylor Hawkins dying and, and so on and so forth. Look when Dave Grohl broke a limb and made, yes. made, got up on stage and did the Played show the tour. Yeah, like that. Uh, by the way, so that that opens the discussion of people who have canceled on you for a stupid reason. Don't tell me you have one. Well, well, no. I guess this. This would, probably, <laughs> this would probably be opposite. But somebody um, didn't come to my wedding because they fell asleep. Oh my God! Really? <laughs> they didn't come to. Oh, that was were... a mistake. That's... No, that was that was a lie. That was just obviously what they told. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what they ought to do? Just fun. They ought to cancel the Final Four basketball game. Oh, see yeah. how he feels about it. <laughs> I mean, then that, that's it. So, so maybe you know, within a, if he, if he's got a sellout show and it's thousands of people, at least a handful of those. This is a very special night for them. Well, you know what flying, I mean? People it's were just, flying in. Just like the going to this basketball game is right. a very special thing How for them. How do you like it now? Yeah. Welcome to the church of FU. Yeah. 
I, it's just, that's just dumb. But listen, Kathy's right. He can do it if he wants to. Yeah, he did. I guarantee you, he is going to at least some people. He's going to push away from his uh, from being fans from now on. Uh, hang on, I want to go to Mike. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Yeah, Dukes. Yeah, Dukes. What's up, Mike? Before I go into work, I just wanted to say this is not any Final Four game. This is like the most storied rivalry in college sports, mm. and they've never played each other in the tournament, let alone in a Final Four. So I would cut him a little bit of slack. I'm sure he's going to do something for the people that order tickets. For well, him. listen, and, and I, I understand there are moments, like, you know, where, where there's something that that um, that is, is huge. In this case, however, your, your, your profession is satisfying and keeping your fans happy. This isn't... Sometimes that's one of the requirements of what you're doing when you're in entertainment, honoring a concert obligation. No matter what... What what message is telegraphed to diehard fans who this night means just as much, Mike? What what does it say to them? Well, I mean, this this concert could be just as big for them as this game is for anybody who's a fan of either one of those two teams. This is like a, could be a once in a lifetime. I, well, shouldn't the default for them you, to play each other in the tournament? Wouldn't you say, Mike, the default should be for your audience? Yeah. Like, in other words, you got everything has to I break, think so. right break in favor of the, of the audience. Right. I don't think there's. I feel, I, I feel for them. Yeah. yeah, you know they put out their money and their time to make that happen. But I also understand the other side of it because okay. I'm a fan. All right, no, yeah, I, hear I you. don't. Um, Thanks, Mike. And I don't think that there's any. Um, I don't think there's any defending this guy. It's not like he went to Duke. It's not like he went to UNC. You know, he's just from North Carolina. You should, so, so, you, you need, what you and need, here's the deal: like, you need to lie. You, well, a lie, right? I'd, <laughs> yes. ra- I'd much rather Out than of lie respect. and wear a freaking uh, costume or, yeah. or a disguise to go to the game. But also, you know, blame your handlers or, or the people who schedule this stuff, right? Uh, you know, yeah. You know, when you're scheduling There's this potential. stuff, wait, there is. Um, yeah. This is uh, this concert date is on the the final four, and this is so big to me that. Like just on the the possibility, yeah. he's a <laughs> flaming turd. <laughs> he does say he's rescheduling it, though. Oh, he does. Yeah. When did, when did he say that? Because yesterday was flat out canceled. Uh, it, CBS Sports says that he's rescheduling. His statement said, "This is the most selfish thing I've ever asked fans to do: to give up your Saturday night plans with us, so that I can have this moment with my family and sports community." However, it's the same type of passion felt by the people who fill the seats at our concerts that makes us want to be a part of a crowd at a game of this significance. <laughs> this, that's not a way to argue out of it. I mean, it is an interesting uh, wrinkle because you know he scheduled this concert on the Saturday. Night night of the when the final four was going to happen there was a remote possibility that at some point that's went, what case was I know, saying, and, yeah. and so like it, it, if it was that important to him yeah. as a as a unc fan like i get the fandom on it like it is it's a historic matchup that's never happened in the ncaa's and and his favorite <laughs> team is unc i get why it's important to him i wouldn't cancel Fans, a show up mine. Do, i thank you for uh, working with me on this one tonight the bachelor will make his choice i um we were drawn to these kind of events as fans of pop culture so please honor my desire to be at home with my family watching will they get married <laughs> i don't um and it was funny because i had this event on saturday where i was you know talking to these unc fans and i was talking about duke and how much i hate them and i didn't think on that day or any day prior to right now uh that i would ever root for duke basketball yeah but i'm rooting for duke on saturday because i'm so like Oh, so this guy. So upset wow, well, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. I don't think uh, th- this is the the one and only time while I w- will ever root for Duke. I just think, Preston, so remember when, when uh, for the blood drive, 
your your home team had won, you know, and, and oh yeah, the blues. And you went yeah. back. We were all here yeah. to carry on the event. We, we didn't, didn't cancel, cancel the blues, right? event. We didn't cancel the event. Yeah. We carried it on. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so this is, I mean, it's to You're me canceling it's, on it's tens of thousands a, of people. Yeah, that's that's the issue that I have here. You're not canceling on on a dinner party. You're not canceling on dinner on blanc. On dinner on blanc. Well, that would suck way, too. So and and he's also he's a celeb, so it'll be easy for him to get into the building to get mm-hmm. tickets, right? Mm-hmm. I would I don't I don't know how you got went about getting tickets, but I mean, you money's know. not a, an issue for yeah. him. Yeah, money or connections in order you know, to, to mm-hmm. even get them. I did want to ask because I read that he just wanted to watch the game. Does he actually have tickets to it? Because the, the concert was I think supposed he's to be going. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't no, Steve. It says uh, he canceled because he wanted to watch the game, not that he was going there. And, With and he, his family. Yeah, yeah. and so um, he was. this concert was supposed to be in San Antonio. The Final Four is in New Orleans. This story I'm reading says that he, so he can go to the NCAA right. men's basketball tournament. So, I, yeah, I don't know, man. And by the way, so I, I'm looking more into this ticket thing. So CBS Sports did say it's rescheduled. However, Ticketmaster has already, already refunded everyone. Oh. So if they're refunding them, I would imagine it's canceled. Yeah, and then you and, gotta, you're going to have to go through the process of getting tickets again if he does reschedule right. instead of honoring the other tickets. The likelihood that Ticketmaster would jump on refunding, yeah. why they'd love to hold on to that money. All right, let me go to uh, let me go to some uh, calls here. People have canceled for a stupid reason. I'm going to go to Joe. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Hi, Joe. You are on the air. No, this is Kim. Hi, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I hit the wrong line. Go ahead, Kim. <laughs> That's okay. Um, my best friend of 27 years like canceled slash backed out of my wedding because her husband wouldn't babysit their children. So she could go try on a dress. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> Just to go try on a dress? Yes. But I feel like, was that an excuse? Um, she said she had the appointment scheduled three different times, and instead of him babysitting their children, he had to go fishing or whatever. Listen, but he's the most selfish it's a perfect example, Kim, of you got to work on your lie. Yeah. You, you, you got to. And, and honestly... <laughs> As always, Preston, the best default is I've got diarrhea. Yeah. That's no one, oh, whatever. That's fine. But that that's just insulting that to say, to say that your most special day and that's how your friend backs out of it. Yeah. Nonsense. And I was her maid of honor. I was everything in her wedding, but whatever. Did, uh, yeah, whatever. Wait, are you yeah. guys still friends? No, we have not spoken since. Oh, well, there, there you go. go. It ended it. <laughs> yeah. And she could have, you, you know, listen, you could call in some favors. You can get a sitter. You yes. Can, you can try to make that happen. Kim, yeah, you just... should key the C word in a car. Oh, jeez. But I respect him say Eric Church saying, okay, this is why. Like, he's if he's going to the game, people are going to see him. That's why. He's not making up an excuse. Like, this, the, her husband wouldn't babysit their kids. First of all, they're your kids. You're not babysitting them. You're just with your kids. Listen. Let your wife go do something. Like, to me, that's an excuse. For whatever reason, that girl didn't want to be in her wedding, and she didn't want to tell her the real reason. The best, of, the best, we've talked about this before, if you have something that's in the plans, and you're like, you don't, you're like, I really don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And then they call you and then they say, oh, I can't. Oh, my God, it's okay. And then you got to go, oh, oh, I guess that's how it is then. All right. Like, like but no problem. <laughs> but go back to this. Think of the logistics of canceling a concert that has been on the books for a long time. Yeah, but that's not our life. Like, do you know what I mean? To I him, know. it's probably not the biggest I know, thing, and he's not thinking about the little people. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you self, something. That's the dick part of this. When he's uh, when he's on some local game show 
you know, uh, when the career is really at the, you know, dragging in the dregs, he's going to wonder, was it the wise, the wise move to cancel on your fan base? I can't imagine the fan base in general is responding well to this. I don't know. Were they, I, they giving he, him the, the, the pass? Is he a big star? I don't yeah. know. I, oh, yeah, you, yeah, I hate yeah. country music. He, he so. sells out. I actually saw him perform a few years ago. It's, it's a sort of, it's, it's like pop country slash yeah. country rock. Okay. Uh, it, it puts on a really good show. He had a show. It's death country. It's death country. There's a lot of yeah. metal. He had a death show country. At, at the uh, Wells Fargo Center a year or two ago, uh, actually probably pre-pandemic. Anyway, um, his band got sick. Uh, he came out and performed acoustic for the fans that night. So, like, he's done stuff for the fans in the past, um, and uh, he's a pretty likable act, but, uh, you know, this is just a dick move. Kathy got married on the night of a uh, Trey Anastasio concert. Uh, <laughs> and Casey went to the that? wedding. And I went to the wedding. How about that? And oh, I, okay. He didn't cancel on you. Didn't you? Nice. Hadn't you checked the fish schedule before you got I, married? I didn't check the fish schedule. Oh, my no, God. No, it wasn't so fish. Sorry. It was Trey Anastasio uh, band. That's you why. Know what's okay? I did check the fish schedule. Yeah. Schedule. I uh, just and you knew they were off. The you know what? Tour. And you got to see the biggest mountain of shrimp in the <laughs> yeah. history of the world. I missed the dessert room, but uh, man, uh, maybe if it was a fish concert, I might have skipped. Wow. Dude, the wedding. Okay, so there was something coming up. I could have easily canceled on it. I already had these these plans ready. Oh my god, I canceled the gig. Hang on a second here. What? Uh, I did the same thing he's doing. Oh, uh, so well, not really, because okay. these guys are going to play without me. So I'm, I'm uh, this summer. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit with this music group, right, down at the shore. Uh, let's just say Dink Bloyd. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not Dink Bloyd. Uh, they're called Five Times Famous. Anyhow, I know these two guys play guitars, and they they want some percussion on right. them. And uh, they perform down on the shore. I've got a shore house now, so I'm going to gig with them. Our first gig, and it's already booked. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I get a call from my friend. His son is getting married. It's a destination wedding. Oh, when's the date? This date. I'm like, damn it. Why did it have to fall on that day? You know? But I, I did the right thing. I'm going to the wedding. Yeah. I'm going to go to that instead. That's an obligation. Or could you have your band play his wedding? Yeah, we can go to San Francisco. <laughs> sure. Why Guys... I want to play. Will you hear me out? We're taking it on the road. <laughs> Who yeah. wants to go to San Fran and play a wedding? But yeah. it was one of those things where I looked at it. Man, I hate it when that happens. It's when, horrible. When something important falls on a date that you've already got plans that are yeah. important to you, but not necessarily important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone will encounter something like that in their lives. And they ha- and. Everyone also has to understand that that happens to everyone. Right. That you, that you had not foreseen this happening. In this case, as is pointed out, that concert was on the books. Yeah. You yeah. know that if you're such a oh, fan. Dude, you, yeah. Duke in North Carolina in the Final Four. What, what, what are we doing? Oh, man, I got a gig that night. Right. Oh, well. You know. Um, I don't know. I, all right. And you then you got to kind of go, all right, I will. I will watch it on TV yeah. like millions of other people will. Yeah, mm-hmm. or have it playing during the concert. I mean, that could that could have been like the 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 gimmick the of that thing. concert. Yeah. yeah, and so one of the monitors you got the game plan, or you know, because uh, guess what? There are probably people that were going to go to that concert that are are either UNC or Duke fans. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you, you play the law of averages. Somebody going to that concert was also missing that game, but also playing the law of averages when you have that many people going to a venue. Sure. There's going to be a huge bulk of people that it's not that big of a deal. Okay, I get my money back. Uh, you know, I live in the area. It's, you know, no big deal. But there are other people guaranteed that bought flights that are flying to that particular one, that are getting an Airbnb, that possibly, quite potentially, can't get a refund on the Airbnb. Skipping is, organ transplants. Right? Yeah. And you're doing that to a couple of different people or or more? It's just... I- let I'm me, sorry, it's unforgivable. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Joe. Hi, uh, Joe. I love you. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, bitch. 
Yo, bitch, what's up, man? So my birthday is on June 8th, and we had a 30th birthday party at my house, and my dad did not come because the party did not fall on June 8th. Oh, so it wasn't on your actual birth date, <laughs> and he decided he couldn't be a part of that malarkey. Yeah, he's a D-bag. He's uh, a D-bag. He's oh a D-bag. <laughs> Is he? Oh, that's not cool. But yeah, was it was it a surprise birthday party, or was it just on the no. on, it was on the weekend to make it more convenient or something like that? Correct, correct. We yeah. had like 50, 60 people there, and. <laughs> Had a nice cookout. And- oh, well, sometimes yeah, on, there's man. a dynamic press, and I love the story of you talking to your Thanks, dad Joe. about, hey, we thought we'd come out and visit. Oh, yeah, dad, yeah. Thanksgiving. We yeah. thought about having you out. What would you think of that? I think it'd be a bit much. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. We had thought we were opening up our home to you. Guess what yeah. we're doing for you, buddy? Yep. I don't think I'm into that. Uh, let me see. We have... All right. I'm curious about this one. I want to go to John. Hi, John. Good morning. Man here. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing, guys? So, I had a... I had planned this big surprise party for my partner uh for like i think it was like her 29th or her 30th i can't remember what it was but we got i got people from four different states coming mm. uh her old friends new friends everybody coming to the place kept the secret for months and the day i think it was the day before the party i get a call from one of her oldest friends that uh, you know that we we both know but one of her oldest friends and says hey is there any way you can you know we can move this, you know, I was like, and I explained to him the situation, like, no, there, there's no way we can move it. it. Like, it's already happening. It's happening in like a couple of days. It's, we got people from all over to come in. Why, what, what's going on? He's like, well, I got a middle school reunion that I have to go to. My, he's like 30. I have a middle school reunion to go to. For people I haven't seen this so long. A middle school reunion? A middle school well, reunion. Well, let me ask you this, John. So she had known about this party for a while, right? Well, so yeah, he he had known about. Or he had this known for, about. It, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I I planned this for I think it was three or four months. It was nothing like for the moment. <laughs> but how about how how long had he known about the reunion? I have no idea. I think he found out about it maybe uh, a couple day, uh, a couple weeks or a month before it. But the the party was planned well in advance, and the oh and, yeah, and, and the party and was way in party advance. Wins. Party wins. Party wins. I mean, this yeah. is a guy I went to eighth grade with. The dick move is that he tried to blame me for him not being there. Uh-huh. To my, to oh. my partner. Nah. No. Because I wouldn't be flexible, even though he asked me like a week before or a day before or whatever it was. Thanks, he John. He word in his car. Later. Appreciate it. Um, okay, wait a minute. This wait. can't be real. This cannot be real. I'm going to go to Pat. Hey, Pat, good morning. <laughs> oh, it's real. Oh, dear God. Okay. <laughs> Please share. It, it's real. This was like many years ago. It's, I only have one brother. Uh, went Bigfoot hunting instead of my wedding. Okay. Your Big- brother's one of these Bigfoot hunters? Yes. Needless to say, he's never found them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We would have heard, I assume. Where does he live, Pat? Uh, Hellertown. And where where was he going Bigfoot hunting? Delaware. I think she, I think see I think Washington. Yeah, I mean that's kind of if you if you're serious about it, you got to go to Seattle. Uh, you got to. Yeah, okay. It wasn't like he was going to the Poconos or anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pat, uh, what was planned first, the Bigfoot hunt or or Bigfoot hunt or the uh, the wedding? The wedding. <laughs> is, is there any like mental illness in the the mix here? Oh, I'm sure there is. Okay. <laughs> Does he like your wife? What's that? Does he like your wife? 
Yes. Okay. All did, right. the, did the hunt go well? <laughs> I die. don't know. Oh. Uh, well, Pat, w was it better that he went Bigfoot hunting <laughs> instead of to your wedding? Yeah, you missed a good time. Okay. Yeah, you've got this okay, story now about that you can always oh lord over him. God. You know, it is, it's, it's funny to be like, were you at your brother's wedding? No, I was Bigfoot hunting. <laughs> oh I mean, that's a great story. At least you got a great story out yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's the Thank height of God. selfishness. Oh because the odds are... You're not going to find him. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't matter yeah. when you go. Right, right. <laughs> All right, let me go to Maggie. We're talking about people that have canceled for a stupid reason, canceled on you. Hi, uh, Maggie, good morning. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey, what's up? So I'm actually getting married this Saturday. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. My brother, super goofy, animated, calls me two days ago and he goes, I'm like, hey, did you get the hotel? He's like, no, we're leaving after the ceremony. And I'm thinking, he's kidding. And he goes, no, we're we're leaving right after the ceremony. Mind you, he's like my flower boy. He's a 34-year-old grown man. Loudness <laughs> 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 <Lockness> monster hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he goes, yeah, no, I'm going to um, my friend's one-year-old birthday party. No. I'm thinking he's friends with a like, one-year-old? No. His one friend's one-year-old. No, no, no. The, 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 the absurdity oh, of, of the one-year-old yes. birthday party to begin with is ridiculous. But sister's but wedding. But sister's wedding is that's way Maggie. Trump's friend's baby birthday party. So, lo and behold, we did have a conversation, and they are staying for the full duration of the wedding. But at first, like... I like called and canceled like for replaced his seating, him and his wife's seating and yeah. and you know, just I was like dumbfounded. I'm like, You're a one year old birthday party? Yeah. Okay, yeah. hang on. So so the, so he is he's staying for the whole wedding. He's skipping the reception. No, 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 he's no, 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 okay. okay, you got it worked out. You got it worked out. So <laughs> well, you know what's that's the, I mean, the, the, the wedding ceremony is just a blip in the day. The rest of it happens. That's the meat and potatoes. Later on, the, Maggie, the reception is the part. in a way, was it your fault for not inviting the one-year-old to begin with? <laughs> you know what? I didn't think about that. Yeah. I'm going to add the one-year-old now. Add the one-year-old. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, besides the Bigfoot Thanks, stuff. Thanks, Maggie. Yeah. Yeah, besides, <laughs> let's keep Bigfoot in mind here. Somebody texted in, it is a short season for Bigfoot, so. Keep Bigfoot out your mouth. Um, by the way, the person talking about uh, uh, Taylor Hawkins uh, texted back in, and they were indeed joking. Okay, okay. Uh, make sure. Uh, that had, a, had a feeling. Uh, I will go next to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yo, good Jeff. Oh, no. Nope. No. 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 It's... Every, I was there was more to it. There's a gop in there. He yeah. missed a gop. I was ba ba to da ba to ba 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 do ga ga ba ba dop. Jeff. All right, what's up, man? So, so anyway, my mother, my own mother, canceled on my wedding, my first wedding, because she had to go to or to get ready for my nephew's wedding, which was two months. After the fact. What? So she couldn't attend your wedding because she was preparing to go to your nephew's wedding. Yes, and the wedding wasn't until two months after mine. I, I think I can I think I can, I can identify this here. Okay, so uh this was your first wedding. Yeah, she knew it was yeah, her first wife. She hated your wife. <laughs> she hated your fiance. She never met her. She never met she her? Never met her. Yeah, okay, this is making sense the now. First, the first time, the first time she ever met my wife was at my grandmother's funeral. Okay, uh, so you guys are close. Yeah. Okay. Like, 
<laughs> and that was after you guys were married? Yes. Wow, that's kind of weird, man. Yeah. That <laughs> is very weird. Yeah. Did she not did she not want to meet her, your mom? I have no idea. I, I don't know what the deal was. Um oh. I just know. Yeah, she canceled. Okay, how long were you guys an item, like a girlfriend, boyfriend, fiancé, before the actual wedding? Uh, two years. And oh. mom never met her. That's ins- no, no, I, th- I think there's her. something more there. I think, yeah, I think Preston might be onto something that no one's good enough for um, for her. Son. Different different states? You guys live in different states? Yes, we do. Okay. Yeah. Did well, your that... mom ever see Bigfoot? <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. Mom was out chasing Bigfoot. Man. <laughs> yeah, how, she how she hit him with her station wagon. Uh, she lives in Virginia. Okay. okay. Mm, that's, yeah, that's, that's a fishy the, story. And Bigfoot does. Bigfoot does live there. Yeah. Show, show up down there from there. Is, there yeah, there is a there is a Virginia yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah. In Oklahoma, <laughs> Bigfoot, right? What's that? Oklahoma. Bigfoot. Oh, there's there's actually multiple states have what they call the, their versions of uh, big uh, big feet or big foots. Big thigh. Yeah, you've heard of the Oklahoma Bigfoot? I have. Okay. Yeah. You've heard tale of the I, I have heard tale heard of tell. Oklahoma Bigfoot. I don't like to talk about it, but I saw it him one night. <laughs> it's I've heard tell, not I've heard tale? I think they're both. All right. I, hear I, t- I hear tell that there's a Bigfoot in their woods. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I was just wondering if I've been saying it wrong this whole time. I was just adding right. another way to say it. Oh, okay. It. You're saying it's a Bigfoot way. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, let's go to Amanda. Hello there, Amanda. Hi. Hi, what's up, Amanda? So, I was got married last year during COVID. All right, congrats. Thank you. And my one sister-in-law uh, said she was coming and canceled because she's friends with my husband's baby mom. What? Mm. So, <laughs> she's friends with your husband's baby baby's mama? mama? Yep. That that's That's not a good excuse. <laughs> Are you, is there a lot of contention going on, clearly? No. What? No. You know, I bet you I Bigfoot could get to the bunker. I know. Are I you friends with Baby Bigfoot Mama? marriage counselor, Steve? No, I, I, I think what you have here is a serious issue because, <laughs> the, yes, she's the baby mama, but you owe this to your to your uh, sister. <laughs> so how did it eventually, uh, is it, has it caused a rift, Amanda? Um, it's a, my husband's the youngest of seven. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of drama between all the sisters. Okay, that's, that's a mess, and it's, man. It's, it's so much fun. How about if we give you tickets to an Eric Church concert? Yeah. <laughs> to make up for and it. Bigfoot's opening. All right, I'm getting lost. Amanda, I'm hanging up now. Thank you for your call. It's <laughs> wild, wild, right? I'm getting lost in all this stuff. We've gone from canceled concerts to Bigfoot. <laughs> Being the uh, oh the main God. issue in relationships <laughs> in, in all of it. Wow! I just think she cares more about Bigfoot than she does about me. <laughs> Man, there was a there was a Bigfoot spotting in PA last uh, year. Last year? Yeah, this is from the mayor of uh, Regalsville or Regalsville, and that's in Bucks County. Yeah. They said they, oh. they said he appeared to have three testicles. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was camping. I knew it. I had three testicles. He was camping in Pike County, and the thing let out. Uh, a scream from God awful. <laughs> yeah, a scream from <laughs> Pike County. <though>. Yeah. <laughs> Mayor Greg Stokes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. He spit up a fish. Uh, we should wrap this up yeah. now. Through a magic act. Gonzo it does. And Gonzo yeah. and Shirley, right? We have uh, Gonzo and Shirley. Well, anyhow, I, I'm, I'm curious as to if there will be a poll on how his fans, on this guy Eric Church's fans, feel about the fact that he's full-on canceling a concert because his team is going to be in the Final Four. And I know, yes, it's this big 
storied rivalry. Uh, it's, a, it's a North Carolina specific yeah. rivalry, yeah, you know. But yeah. whatever, but you, man. You, you owe it to your your I, fans. I well, here's the deal: so. like, if you're a fan and you can't go all of a sudden, it's not like you can go. Hey, I can't go. Can I get my money back? You know. So it's it's not a two way street here. Yeah. Right. Well, anyway, interesting uh, thing that uh, we felt like discussing. We're going to take a break. We will not be gone wrong. Be our day in a moment. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Billy Idol. Soraya. Everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. Our next guest is ready to go, and uh, we're excited to have him on because it's an exciting time uh, for Philadelphia Eagles fans. <coughs> and, of course, he does happen to have a Super Bowl win, that very team. <laughs> and a great podcast called Greenlight. All kinds of wonderful things about a very charitable guy. And an interesting way how we got this together, which yeah. I'll explain in just a moment. Please welcome Chris Long. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. How are y'all? We're doing good, Chris. How are you, man? I'm doing really well. Good to finally meet my uh, the people with the great minds. <laughs> All right, so yeah, let's get right into that. A a a Russian singer brought us together, right? Yeah, is it the same one? Yes, 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 it is. That guy. That guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did y'all find him? Because and we were, now that I know it's the same guy, we're gonna find a different Russian singer or something, but. <laughs> Uh, my, my buddy and I love YouTube like most uh, adult dad age uh, white guys. We just spend all day on YouTube. So um, we he was sending me these videos one weekend. I think he was pretty stoned or something. And he was like, hey, check this out. This guy's incredible. I mean, like, you're not going to be able to stop watching. And lo and behold, I was just obsessed with the video. I Like, what a weird place. Yeah. We, we so it uh, we had we had stumbled across that I want to say in like 2003 or something like that huh. uh, we we were uh, somebody had sent it to us and it was you know just a YouTube vid and we're like what is this what is this guy doing and uh, immediately we're like that is our end of the show <laughs> every Friday so every Friday when we rap that's the song that we go out with and. Further research on it, and Steve, you would know better than I would, because I'm not sure if I recall correctly or not, but there was a time in... Um, Soviet Russia. Russian In Russian media and, right. and entertainment that they weren't allowed to sing lyrics. So they would have to, because uh, for fear of, a, I guess, a poor message getting out to yes. people. So they would essentially make up just syllables and, and use them in place of words. And that's where that song came from. And it took off like that that became a viral video <laughs> and the guy i remember released a statement like six months later and he was so excited that people had found this goofy little video but he's he's so thrilled and the look on his face is so you oh know oh my gosh it's, it's the look that makes it <laughs> yeah. he actually I mean, it's, 
Like, like he, I, I don't know. Maybe if you play it backwards, like Led Zeppelin or something. There's <laughs> <laughs> some, like, uh, anti-Soviet Union stuff in there. It's quite positive. It's bizarre, Chris, because he actually, I just looked it up, he recorded that video, that song, in 1976, and then it, it became international, and people started paying attention to it uh, in 2010. Uh, so I think, that, like, it, you know, YouTube helped to um, to spread it around. But, like, weirdly... Uh, stuff like that can can live and exist for a long period of time, and nobody knows about it. And then it just becomes this global thing. And now, in a weird way, we're talking to you because of this <laughs> uh, uh, shared love for Edward Keel. That's the guy's name. Is that his name? Yeah. Well, that's amazing, and it is funny. I mean, like, there's a lot of good Russian TV down that rabbit hole. Like, that's the rabbit hole. Oh that yeah. I enjoy. Like old <laughs> Russian TV on YouTube. So, uh, so I'm glad we found it, but. Uh, I certainly, when I heard you guys had it, I was like, oh, no, somebody's going to think we like. And then I heard it was a Philly uh, radio station. I was like, oh, we're dead to rights. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, it's, not at it's, all. It's quite possible. It was It was actually, you, it ends up on different, there are a couple podcasts that, that use it now. Uh, I mean, I, I think we were the first to to probably employ it for that reason. Yes, probably in yeah. 03. I mean, but, listen, but, you guys, hey, you guys are trailblazers there. Yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> What we're 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 coming together over the love for Russian Russian music. So you know, music. you know, it's funny though. In a way, the suppression. The, the fact is, is that the message got out anyway. Because even at that time, people would say, "Why, why?" And I was, remember reading the, the extensive story about it. Why are there no? What is this form of singing? And you, it was almost. Um, it was implied that this was the reason, even within the Soviet Union, and so the message got out about the suppression of any of that stuff. So in a way, the guy ended up winning, you know, ultimately. Uh, but it is, right. again, the singing with the crazy face on the guy and classic Russian eyebrows, it's just priceless. The eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we've played it so much over the years that I think each of us could probably sing yeah, 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 like yeah. the first two, three minutes of the song and yeah. get, you know, be pretty close to the the quote-unquote lyrics that you, we've played it so much. Yeah. yeah. yeah I had it stuck in my head for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then my favorite part is my, my favorite part is <laughs> Chris, I'm so glad that we're uh, we have you on right now. I've been actually trying to when you were playing with the Eagles, we've been trying. We had you on once before uh, to talk about the Water Boys, but. Um, I've become such a fan of yours off the field. I just, uh, you know, I follow you on on all types of social media. I'm really happy for your success with your podcast. You know, there there are a couple of big names I think in in the world of uh, football ish podcasts. You, uh, McAfee, is another one. Um, but you just what I like about you: a, you have a great sense of humor, but b you're not afraid to speak your mind, and uh, I think uh, that's one of the things that I that I really dig about you uh, on your podcast as well as you know you on social media. I'm working on that. You know, sometimes I can speak my mind a little too much. I don't know if you guys ever get that feeling like you're like, yeah, shoot, what did I just say today? Um, <laughs> well, last week you said blow me to some dude on Twitter, and I thought that was great. 
I was like, I wish I could say that stuff like that. To you somebody. just did. Yeah. <laughs> that's the nice, that's, that's, that's the, that was my nicest option. <laughs> <laughs> but even, and even still, like afterwards, somebody said, you were like, no, I didn't yell it. I was just saying it, you know? And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, there's well, a difference. You know, it, the problem with that whole, those exchanges is you can't read tones. So somebody will write something that just looked like a huge <laughs> and they don't have very good like table manners or they're not like they're you know their their social skills aren't that adept anyways and then they go to type something out and it comes across looking like just the meanest thing anybody could say to you and i like interacting with people on twitter or i did i don't know i'm trying to get away from twitter but um i like interacting with people but inevitably there's always going to be disagreements and uh you just try to not spend too much time on them we we live in a time where um simply a disag- people consider a disagreement or a, a a difference of opinion as an act of violence that that, that that's yeah. uh, which is in, insane uh, you yeah. know i yeah. i i happen to say as a, you know i'm a little bit older I've changed my mind over the course of my life hearing other people's arguments. I've been informed by other people's decisions, and I may have had a totally different opinion. How do you ever evolve as a human if you don't embrace dissension or don't embrace another opinion? And, I, and yeah. I've, I've built foundationally things that I now believe by listening to lots of different opinions. But it's, you know, it is the way of it. I think eventually it will collapse in on itself. We were all, um, uh, you know, Chris talking about, remember when everyone had Tom as a friend on MySpace and it was all, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was the most benign. It was like the early days of hip hop and rap. It was always, oh, it's it great. But, um, but you can't stay that pissed off and that acrimonious forever. And eventually... Again, you see, you know, like having losses like Bob Saget passed away and, and, you know, he was all he was a guy who was universally loved as being a pleasant guy. You'll benefit more in life by being that way. You'll benefit more. And and you with all your your charitable endeavors. That's what lasts, not the acrimony. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I I think what, you know, I think the biggest problem with uh, social media is that we, we kind of go to our corners and nobody talks in person. Exactly. Think, you know, there's a lot less contentious, like, disagreement, you know, counterproductive disagreement when you talk to somebody in person. Like, you're able to, in person, share, you know, views and opinions that, that might differ from the person you're talking to. And that reaction is going to be a lot less productive, know, combative and more constructive. And there's going to be a conversation yeah. when you talk in person. And I just think we've, Turned into a society where we just sit behind a screen, and um, and that kind of sucks. So I'm working on trying to. It's hard with a podcast because you know <laughs> nowadays when you do a podcast, the prerequisite is to have this online presence. And to be honest, I would have left like social media in the dust after football if it weren't for this damn job. <laughs> uh, but it helps grow what we have. I would like to eventually get to the point where my producer is typing my tweets. And signing it with my name because I don't want any part of it, but I kind of have to deal with it. I hear you. What did, what did you think, Chris, when when you saw people uh, in that line of work um, that were airing their dirty laundry about the team, about the league, their, about their own team and own yeah. league and throwing that stuff out there? I mean, that seems like it's uh, very little good can come from that. You talking about the, the Philly stuff? And anybody. Anybody in professional sports yeah. that wants to complain about – or, or, you know, just air grievances about their own organization. Yeah, I think, honestly, like, as players, and, you know, I'd need an example, but I, I would imagine 
if a player has an issue with an organization, the first thing you can do is go upstairs and, and air that grievance face-to-face, man-to-man. Um, if you have an issue with a teammate, you should do that face-to-face, man-to-man. Uh, just like in the workplace, you know, like, you know, if there's a disagreement, I think communication is an incredible tool that a lot of people opt not to use. Uh, direct communication and doing that calmly, uh, there's a way to do that. But I also think eventually, like, some of these teams might not be receptive to that and might kind of ignore guys. And then guys feel like they don't have a place to turn. So that's where I think you right. get, inevitably you get the leaky stuff. Now, with somebody like the AB thing, that dude was going to air his grievances, how he was going to air his grievances. But <laughs> I think um, for the most part, keeping things in-house and giving, you know, giving your team and your, your teammates an opportunity to keep things in-house is always like the best, the best policy first. And then like, hey, if things get out after people aren't receptive to listening to you or, or uh, you're continuing to get screwed or whatever, like football's an ugly business, man. It really is. And, and inevitably there's always going to be some drama. Uh, but I also think a locker room is a really special place. And so if you can kind of keep things in house, that's like a great way to be in Philly. We had some unnamed source stuff. We had that type of thing and it was disappointing. Um, I'd almost rather somebody just get online and say what, what they feel than like run to a reporter behind everybody's back. I have to ask. So, you know, you, you, you're building up this, this skill of, you know, interviewing and, and, and you have, it's not just football. You have other people on, uh, the, the show as well and, and musicians and so on and so forth. And, and you're, you did something that I, um, that I've been flirting with the notion, which is my, my dad is in his nineties and he yeah. just actually recorded a lot of sort of a, um, hours of information about his life that predates us in, you know, as, as children. And uh, I'm thinking of interviewing him. You interviewed your dad with all the skills that you have. Was how, how was that? Was that weird? Was it comfortable? How did you approach it? I think it was so comfortable. Um, and I think that, by the way, is very cool. I think, you know, like older folks, there's just like information, like you said, that when, when, when they pass on or whatever, like we just we just can't get that anymore. Like uh, we're only going to be able to see, uh, their world through the lens of pictures and, and videos and, and you won't have storytellers. So I think that's really cool. And I, I think, you know, my dad's 62, um, God willing, I got another 40 years with him, but I'm always appreciative of every day, um, you know, with my parents. And, and I think when I, you got a dad like mine, who's, you know, everybody from that generation had crazier stories than us, <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, growing up the way he grew up overcoming some of the adversities that he overcame um, and having a hall of fame football career, but also being a, a really good human being. Um, I can honestly say that. And one of my best friends, if not my best friend. So that was like the double whammy as a podcast. Like usually there's the comfortability aspect of a pod. Like, do I know the guest? Is this going to be easy to, to shoot the breeze with this person? And on the other side of the coin, um, how interesting is this person? And with my dad, it's like a 10 out of 10 on both uh, sides of the coin. And for me, I love it. I mean, I've interviewed him a couple times now. Um, you know, whether we do Father's Day, we probably do it every Father's Day. You know, it's like, it's just the perfect guest for Father's Day. <laughs> right. uh, Your father. I've yeah. It, yeah, I've done it in the season when I need a, a guest in a pinch. 
you know, like behind the scenes, you know, I text my dad and he's, he's down to come on right away. And afterwards he's like, was that good? Are you good with everything? Like, did, it, did I give you what you need? And I'm just, that's him in a nutshell. He's, um, he's always been there for me in every way as a friend, as a, as a, you know, coach sometimes as a, a mentor and as somebody who tells you what you don't want to hear sometimes. That's great. Chris, I want to ask you uh, specifically about two of your former teammates when you were here in Philly, uh, in Jason Kelsey and uh, Lane Johnson, because uh, they both had great years on the field. Lane certainly had some issues off the field, and I, I really applaud his efforts for bringing mental health, um, uh, among many other athletes this year, to the forefront. And people paid attention to it, and uh, I think that that's a good thing. And then he came back. Had a really good, successful season. Scored a yeah. touchdown, which was freaking awesome. You know, as an Eagles fan, to see Lane Johnson score a touchdown was really cool. And Jason Kelsey, uh, I mean, you're talking about good guys. Like, this just continues to be what you want uh, an athlete to be, especially in this yeah. town. So uh, if you can speak a little bit about both those guys and, and your impressions of them. I love those dudes, you know. Um, I, I I talked to Kelsey yesterday. I talked to Lane probably once every couple of days, like maybe once a week. I just... You know, a lot of your teammates, you play with so many guys in the league. I, yeah, I played for eight years in St. Louis where we were very bad and there was a lot of roster turnover and I played with probably a thousand people. I don't know. Um, mm. That's an exaggeration, but it felt that way. So to, to, to have friendships with guys that you played with, you know, um, I'll put it this way. A lot of people say, hey, when I retire, I'm going to miss the locker room. That's my biggest concern. I'm going to miss the guys. Like, yeah, you're going to miss some of the, like, hanging out, some of the routines, some of the being, you know, in the in the hotel Saturday night, eating at 10 o'clock, eating cookies, watching college football, <laughs> getting ready for tomorrow, just hanging out, shooting the breeze uh, in the training room, on the bus. But your real friends, like, you stay in touch with them. I mean, so you're not going to miss your real friends. Like, your real friends are going to stay involved in your life, and you'll stay involved in theirs. And those are two guys, to me, that I'm going to consider lifelong friends. And I think anybody that played with Kelsey or Lane uh, knows what I'm talking about. Kelsey wears his heart on his sleeve. He's a great teammate. He's somebody that lets you know right right the way you stand, and I'm kind of the same way, so we really hit it off. Um, There's not a lot of mincing of words in that relationship, which is awesome. Hmm. And Jeff McClain just had an article out about Kelsey that was really good, um, you know, about his man of the year campaign. And I think he's a tremendous human being. I think he, he's he's worthy of, of that award, um, you know. And Lane, Lane's a big kid, man. You know, he kind of reminds me of my little brother, just packaged a little different. So, <laughs> you know, I, I felt like we had a great relationship. And um, we also made each other better in practice. So that was a special experience. And both of them, I've been on vacation with both of them. Lane came out to Montana before the season this year. And I'm just very proud of Lane because everything he did this year um, was much bigger than football. I think when you talk about mental health as a player, like as macho as we're supposed to be, and as macho as Lane is, like he's a total badass. Yeah. But this is something that touches everybody. And even the six foot seven guy who's 330 with abs and allowed you know, four pressures on the year and one hit and no sacks and should have been in the Pro Bowl, but he got snubbed. Uh, but who cares? Because that's a BS um, <laughs> award anyway. Lane is Lane en- encompasses, you know, everything you want in a guy. You know, he's 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 a he's a great athlete. He, he, he you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's got a big heart, but he's also honest and, and vulnerable. And I think that what he did this year was his, his best play. Yeah. He's made a lot of plays in his career, but to do that, I mean, I bet you he saved somebody's life. I mean, you know, just 
that's not out of the question that some an Eagles fan is listening and can't talk about their issues and Lane comes out and does it and takes those arrows because it wasn't unanimous praise. I mean, there were some people that said, what the hell is this? You can't leave and get your, your stuff together. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly what you need to do. You need to prioritize your health. You need to prioritize your mental health, and you need to look out for yourself and be vulnerable and be open. Yeah, well, I didn't. Um, I wasn't even aware that he had had any sort of issues with his mental health until Brandon Brooks had uh, had his issues, and then I had uh, heard, um, and I watched a lot of uh, pregame football stuff, that, you know, that those two would talk to each other on the phone and, hey, did you get sick yet? Yeah, yeah, I just got done throwing up, and that was like a, a you know, a pregame ritual mm-hmm. that, that they had these these – um, these anxieties, these nerves, you know, before the game. And, and I think that that, to me, makes complete and total sense when you're talking about that battle that goes on, you know. Debilitating, uh, yeah, you know. It, yeah. Like, like, yeah, like a lot of people, a lot of people um, think about anxiety and they think about, like, it's just somebody being negative or somebody being like, yeah, and it can be. I mean, like, as somebody with anxiety right here, like, I don't have it, like, where I'd get panic attacks before the game. Um, and, uh, and kind of have these physical symptoms. I mean, a lot of people wrote that off as just this abstract idea of being negative or being nervous. But like, let me ask not- you, and I, and I hate to jump in here because you're, yeah. you're making a good point, but let me ask you, listen, you're a mountain of a man, right? Yeah. So you think like, oh, well, what do you have to be afraid about? But like, you're going up against another mountain of a man. Like, how scary is that? Even though that you've been, you have been doing it your entire life, like, I mean, is, how scary is that? Well, I don't think anybody's scared of anybody. Like, I don't think it's a thing where, like, I'm not afraid of any person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I think, I think anxiety probably manifests a lot of different ways, and I could imagine the pressures uh, of the job are probably the, the number one culprit for a lot of players. Like, we are under a lot of pressure. Um, if you think about it, I mean try to imagine your worst day and all the people that that day affects. I mean, like for y'all, there are a lot of people that you can affect with a bad day. Um, but yeah. imagine, you know, you have a bad day at work um, and all problems are relative. And I'm sure people experience the same nervousness and pressures at home, but like then imagine 90,000 people hate you or, <sighs> you know, that you fail on the biggest stage uh, and it's right there to replay. You know, it's like when you do something dumb at work um, you know, it might be hearsay. Somebody's going to talk about it at the water cooler. Uh, but, you know, for us, they're going to replay it all week on national TV. And another thing that's really tough about playing in, in the NFL is, like, your manhood is on the line every day. And that's a, like, it's an incredibly, like, alpha male environment, which we all signed up for and we ultimately love. That's why we're here. But for some guys who have real issues that they're they're working through, like they can be impediments to, to functioning. And so, like, I think guys getting help, uh, talking to somebody, you know, um, seeking, you know, the right medication, like whatever. I mean, there's a lot of guys with underlying mental health issues in the NFL that probably don't get help because they're afraid of looking weak. Because in our sport, weakness is, is a big deal. Um, you know, it's not something you want to project. But that's not weakness. I think it's strength. Mm-hmm. I think that's become more of a, a, a you know a talking point for good reasons. You're right. I, I didn't think about the the pressure of uh, okay, I got to do everything right because if I don't, something that took 
a millisecond out of my performance today is going to be sliced and diced up into little bitty pieces and talked about for at least a week or longer. Yeah. And uh, and and you're you know you're under the microscope every single time. So and it's not a choice. Yeah. You yeah. know it's it's like I can try to play as well as I can. Like I guarantee you. I tried my hardest towards the end of my career to be perfect because at that point in your career, the the mental elevator is high and the um, the the you know the physical elevator is low. And your prime, those two are like right here; they're at the same level, but they're two ships passing in the night. And when you get older, you're like a perfectionist and you understand the game and like, but your body just won't let you do the things that you know how to do all the time. And mm. even in your prime, like it's not a choice. Everybody else gets paid too, so like I could work my ass off try to go make that play. I might pinpoint the formation that, you know, they're going to come out in when they run it. And I might whiff on the tackle or I might just not be able to get off the block quick enough. It's not a choice. And I think that can be one of the most emasculating, like mind, you know, what's in our sport is like hard work doesn't pay. Like, yeah, always. Well, Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, yes, those realizations resonate. I mean, I, you know, I'm my thing that always sort of mobilized me and 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 galvanized me was the um, at a certain point it became not being able to to work to to take care of the people that I love those things that and and you could say okay well this is this a media job like this or whatever that's part and parcel of what you do that's part of the job requirement but but it doesn't it doesn't make you any less terrified of that it doesn't make you you suddenly don't shut that switch off and you're not dealing with it and so i think you're right the ability to as any player or you or anyone getting the message out about tending to yourself of of taking that thing that does save lives it's an honor in a way um you know years ago i I had a a bout with cancer and, and beat it and and then to me the ability to pay that forward and help other people with that that is that's life that's the gift to be yeah, able to do that's, that. That's the point. If you if you can't do something with whatever you like, turn your negative into a positive because like I know for Lane, like whatever he's dealt with has been tough because it was no secret that, you know, he had issues that he's dealt with and overcome. And the same thing for Brooks. Like I I've heard about the panic attacks. Like I know how tough it is to wake up on game day for certain guys. Like and these guys aren't afraid of anybody. They're just, you know, that fear of failure or embarrassment or it's not good enough. The pressure of kind of it's it's a high pressure job, and I know like we get paid a lot, and we are very lucky, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But there are realities that come with any any choice you make in choosing to play pro football. There are things that come with that, and you know, guys, certain guys can't sit well with it. And even after football, I think you know, mental health is as big an issue after football. You know, a lot of times we boil it down to head trauma, and, I, and that's real, but. I think also there's a tremendous feeling of loss when you lose the game. I mean, and you're, you're not in, you're not doing what you were put on earth to do anymore, uh, and you feel like scrap metal. So, yeah. like, a lot of guys struggle after the game. Um, and I think so this conversation is important for, for not just people, but for football players that look to Lane and say, hey, that's one of the best players in the league. And he, you know, he needed – time and he needed right. to get get it right and and i think everybody respected that yeah uh chris you've always to me have has have come across as a as a mindful uh person and i wanted to ask about where that mindfulness 
you know, comes from. Like, uh, and, and I'm just thinking about, you had mentioned, yeah, we make a lot of money, right? And, and so a lot of us, we, we, we see, you know, the uh, the players walking into the locker room from their cars and they're getting out of Maseratis or Lamborghinis and they're wearing, you know, the newest Toyota Jordan. Tundras. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're wearing the, uh, the Toyota Tundras, but they're, you know, they're wearing the newest Jordans. And, you know, but, you know, um, you spend a lot of time in a locker room and you're surrounded by people that are from all different walks of life in all different right. areas. And they didn't always come from money. They didn't always get out of a Maserati. And, and right. so, you know, you have spent a lot more time with people that have come from very, very meager beginnings, you know, and from all over the world, really. And so yeah. how, how has that informed your mindfulness? Uh, well, you know, my, my parents, I mean, my parents are very caring people. They're very empathetic people. They're thoughtful people. Um, and, you know, like you talked about some of the people I play with in my locker room, and certainly a lot of those conversations served me well in, like, kind of empathizing with things and, you know, getting involved with stuff. But my dad, you know, he didn't have the upbringing that I had. And football gave him an opportunity to raise kids in an environment that he that he didn't get to experience. And I think that that fact off the bat and his reinforcement of, like, you know, we're not – third generation money i'm the first one that grew up with money in my family and so i think you know keeping that groundedness of like my pops being able to highlight like almost annoyingly how lucky you are uh, and also yeah like, kind of how he had it that whole thing um and and also just entering a locker room full of guys like you said with different backgrounds i think what's so cool about a football locker room is like um it's it's people from every walk of life and it's also the place where you can be the most open like we've had conversations in locker rooms that are really difficult that i think a lot of people in corporate america these conversations would never occur in the lunchroom um there's a certain openness about um you know and, and almost safety in a locker room of like hey we're the doors are locked what's said in here what's discussed in here you know, the revelations that people have, how they come about those revelations, some of the conflicts, some of the tough conversations, some of the things we might be embarrassed to share. It's safe because it's in the locker room. And these are guys that you, you really, you really, um, you depend on in a lot of ways. And, and uh, I, I really think it's special because I think increasingly, as we talked about earlier, like there's less opportunity to really level with somebody and talk right. to them in person, you know, and, and the most diversity of upbringing, you know, ethnic diversity, religious diversity, like NFL locker room, uh, and then also the safety to have those conversations. Chris, I think in another life, uh, you and I probably could have been best friends because um, <laughs> you love Pearl Jam. I love Pearl Jam. You've climbed Kilimanjaro. I've climbed Kilimanjaro. And um, my brother married uh, Jenny Hanger, and his uh, her sister is Jane what? Hanger. Yeah. And so I know you grew up with the Hanger sisters, which is which is adorable, um, and they're part of my family. They saw your name on the St. Anne's Belfield Wall of Fame, and rumor has it that while you were pretty good at football, you were only mediocre at baseball. Is that true? <laughs> That's not. I would say I was mediocre at hitting the curveball, but I was elite at hitting the fastball. I could park a fastball at your studio. <laughs> <laughs> there you but, go. But, but but Jenny's brother. George was like a ridiculous hitter. I mean, and George didn't say two words, country boy, like just <laughs> yeah. quiet. And um, 
and he was kind of scary. He was like older than me. Uh, but we had a pretty good little team and I loved baseball. I just, you know, again, like once I got big, I couldn't hit the curveball, and I was like, all right, there's a fork in the road. I could continue down the road of being 250 in high school and lifting weights after every practice and busting my ass, or I could stay loose and try to play D2 baseball or something. I don't yeah. know where I would end up. Yeah, but, big decision. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, but I did love baseball. It was a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I'm getting into the Phillies. I'm trying to get into the Phillies, man. Like, uh, I'm trying to get into, you know, Major League Baseball again. It's been a break since I was a kid, so we'll see. I, uh, I listen. I know we have to wrap this up, and I cannot wrap this up without telling you that uh, uh, your father <laughs> has been. Uh, a kind of a running joke in uh, between me and my best friend for a long time. And he's not the joke my friend is. So uh, he and I are at a bar on a Monday night, and uh, and your dad comes up on the screen. And my friend turns to me, and he goes, Howie Long's a good-looking guy, isn't he? And I just looked at him, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like... <laughs> And so, ever since then, I have like on his birthday, I have uh, post, I have uh, blown up posters of. Uh, there's, you might even know this picture of your father in the locker room. It's a black and white photo with him with a shirt off and, a, and an ice pack on his knee. I will. Uh, I will. Yeah, I do know that one. <laughs> you know, back then they only got so many pictures. They had to tell people to stand still for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was those big Civil War box cameras. But Casey, yeah, re- yeah. Casey refers to his friend Jeff as Jeff, comma Howie Long. Like every time he references for him, years, yeah. for years we have. In fact, you know, time- know, Howie Long, man, like Howie Long looks damn near cryogenically frozen. <laughs> he <right>? does. <laughs> Like, he skipped year 20 to 62. I don't know what kind of blood he's drinking or, like... But, but honestly, my dad, the secret is he just lives clean. Yeah. You know, like, I'm a beer-drinking, you know, et cetera guy. And uh, my dad, he's just been, like, one glass of wine every now and again, gets to sleep, you know, he eats well. He just doesn't have vices, and that must be really nice. That's what you look like if you got good genes and you don't have vices. Well, that dude looks amazing for sixty-two. You're clearly rocking the same uh, genetics, and and obviously the uh, the, <laughs> the. I'm sh- trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to sandbag myself a little bit. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna point people if they haven't listened yet to the Greenlight Podcast with uh, with Chris Long, and you can you can find it wherever podcasts are available. But uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, send people out because you're a good guy, and we love having you as uh, you know as. As a member of the Philadelphia community, because of your time, spent. I love being one. I love being one. It's the most special place. Uh, I mean, I miss it all the time. Just hearing you guys talk about the traffic, you know, so it just uh, it brings me back to my commute. And we don't have any traffic in my hometown, but I would sit in traffic to to drive to work in Philly. I love that city. Nice. Well, if you come back in town, please visit us. Visit us, man. We'd love to. Have no you. question. Excellent. Thank Everybody you. get well and yeah. uh, stay healthy. Done deal. Thank you, Chris Long. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Take care. La 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 la. La 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 We'll take a break. We'll come back in a second. Be foul, trash, music news, lesson question, all those things will be up next. So stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. If you like what you hear, you can see it too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on PrestonandSteve.com. 
Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Okay, so <laughs> we're, you know, spending time down the shore. This is my second scene uh, being a, a, a shore person now. Are you a Shuby now? Is that what they call? No, Shuby. Well, I guess so. I don't, I'm not, I don't live there. Okay. Rochelle and, and my daughter kind of live there. But anyhow, so Casey and Chuck also have homes down there. And Casey and Chuck are constantly working on their property, on their house. They're, they're, they're hands-on hands guys. Yeah, they That's love the to do it. Yeah. I am not. I have my wife do that. That's yeah. just her job. <laughs> she and YouTube get the yes. work done. So, But but Chuck and Casey are always working on stuff. So uh, Rochelle and I went by uh, Chuck's this weekend, and Chuck was you know, working on an outdoor shower, which is a thing down at the shore, and he was just showing us all the stuff. And then he relays... A little story because I didn't see Casey at all this weekend. Uh, happy birthday, by the way! Thank yes. you. Happy birthday! It. Thank you. Uh, but I did uh, uh, run into Chuck, and he told me about an improvement that Casey was doing on his shore house, hmm. and also this little dilemma that he came across. So I thought it'd be you guys would be interested in hearing. This. All right, yes. So I appreciate you, and I think you're you're giving me way too much credit by telling anybody that I'm uh, I'm a hands on. Type of guy. You're pretty good. Uh, You're pretty good. You do it. I mean, you at least yeah. get I try. It you, yeah. I try. I don't try. You and try. sometimes, sometimes I, I succeed, but more times than not, whenever I am either building something or putting something together, I get to the point of where I'm putting it together where I realize I messed up. I put something on backwards, and then I have to like retake things apart, flip something around, and it, and it's every single time. Well, and it's. I get that. I, I think I, we've all done that, and you you fear that moment. That's why you you may not tighten things a thousand percent, you right. know, and you 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 take those little steps in case you have to uh, disassemble it and then re rebuild it the other way. So it's not uncommon. Yeah. I mean, listen, a couple of months ago, I was at Harbor Freight down there, and I was buying this this piece of uh, equipment. And the lady, she's like, "Oh, keep your receipt because you know if you need to return it, you'll need your receipt." And I go, yeah. I go, "Oh, I'm definitely you're definitely going to see me again because I I always make mistakes." And right. sure enough. I got down there. I took the piece of machinery out. I started using it. I was like, oh, this isn't what I need. I needed something completely different. And then I saw her about a half an hour later. I go, hey, remember me? Yeah. Did she remember yes. you? Yes, absolutely she remembered me. So I installed a ceiling fan onto our uh, our front porch because sometimes when you have a land breeze or if you have no breeze, the bugs are bad. And right. so getting a ceiling fan will, will keep the bugs Mitigates away. that. And, and we love them. I found out front porch sitting is a thing. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of people that say they just can't hang out on the front porch, and why not? It's great yeah. out there. So, yeah. Especially if you like your neighbors, and I like almost all of my neighbors, and uh, yeah. and, and, and almost all of them are really, really great. We, have, we have a front uh, front porch. It's yeah. a nice thing to do. Oh, yeah. your front porch is great. I love your front porch. But but they, this, that's a common thing is to have a, a ceiling fan. Yeah. On, on a, it's an old southern thing to have a slow-spinning right. um, 
ceiling fan on a porch. No, I installed a ceiling fan in my home a year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. So I'm like, okay, I know how to that do this. That still works. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's still that works. Hasn't killed, yeah. That hasn't yeah. killed anybody. You know, and anybody listening right now, like, people are like, oh my God, ceiling fan? That's I know. like changing a light bulb. Okay, yes, for you. But for me, I basically, I went to the city works. I said, hey, can you shut down the power for the entire block? Red, yeah. Right? Because I'm afraid of I hear you, man. electricity. I'm, I'm and, terrified of stuff like that. All right, so I was able to, uh, you know, I turned the breaker off. Turned the, uh, the the light switch off, so I was like, I was fairly certain that I was not going to electrocute myself. Right. Sure enough, like I, you know, I take the light apart. And <laughs> just here's the deal: I don't know if you hit the wire really fast and it is live. If it is going to, like, electrocute yeah. you or not. But I'm like, okay, let me just see if this thing is hot. <laughs> so I hit the wire real quick. Nothing happens. I'm like, okay. By the so, way, a little tip. Yes. If you're going to do it, do it with the back of your hand. Oh. Because uh, if you do catch a shock, sometimes it'll cause you to, to close your fist. <laughs> and then and then you're holding on to All it. Right. <laughs> All right. That's what I've been told by an electrician. If you're going to do it, use the back of your hand. Go All ahead. Right. So... Uh, I don't want to prolong the story any longer than it needs to happen. Uh, I get the I get the light off. Okay, right. I, I get the um, I get the mount bracket and everything installed on the fan. And on your porch, where, where is this going to sit? Is it in front of a window or where? Where? No, it's it's kind of like right in front of like uh, you know our, our door. Okay, right. So, but here's the deal. I told you. I always put things on backwards, right? So we and so and the fan blades, you, you get a choice, right? And so one side of the fan blade is like uh, darker, and the other yeah. one's lighter. And so we decide on the on the darker side of the fan blades. I'm getting the third or the fifth fan blade on, and my mom comes out and she goes, "Oh, you're you're doing different colored fan blades." <laughs> <laughs> and I look, some of them are black and yeah. <laughs> so I got two fan blades that are completely the different. I'm like, oh my god! So I put those things in upside down right. like an idiot mm-hmm. uh and so I, I ended up fixing those i get everything in order i'm like okay this is great all right now i'm gonna go inside and i'm gonna turn everything on and i'm gonna see if if all of my work worked right yeah i'm yeah. gonna see if the light goes on i'm gonna see if the fan goes on i open up the door and it smashes right into one of the family so i'm like <laughs> god damn it <laughs> you didn't, there's not I enough room for the door to open i didn't check See how long the fan blades were, how low the fan... It, it wasn't even a thought in my mind that the door you never was went, going... No. You never went in and out of the house during the time you started installing the umbrella? And I, so you had no idea that the, the door was going to... Cl- I mean, yeah, the, fan. the umbrella. Yeah. Excuse me, no, the fan. it wasn't even a thought. It wasn't a thought because the last <laughs> thing that you do essentially is put the fan blades on, right? Right, right. So wasn't everything even was a up. thought. Oh, but the fan wasn't even on. Thank God the fan wasn't on when I did this because it would have, like, shattered the entire <laughs> apparatus. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, you got to be effing kidding. How, how wide will the door open in its current state? So it opens probably about ninety degrees is is the the farthest it will open. It All doesn't right. open past um, any anywhere past so ninety like degrees. Squeeze out a little bit. The morbidly obese are not welcome Wait, at the house. So ninety? Don't you mean forty five? No, no, no. Okay. So so uh, ninety. Oh, right. So that would be this is zero zero degrees. That's forty five. That's ninety. So it doesn't open past ninety degrees. Now. You say 45. I was, for for a hot minute there, I was like, well, you know, nobody really opens the door all the way, you know, because right. if you open the door 45 degrees, you are still safe. The, the fan blade didn't hit the door right. or anything like that. Now, by the way, it wasn't the length of the fan blade. It was how far the fan blade came down from the ah. ceiling. Right. Okay. Right. So 
so because Chuck was like, oh, could, you could just get shorter fan blades. And for a moment there, I was like, God damn it, because I completely. Uh, the entire unit sits l- too low for your so door. So it didn't matter because I had 52-inch fan blades. It didn't matter if uh, and I ended up getting 44-inch fan blades. It didn't matter if it was 44 or 52. It, it was, doesn't matter. It was how far it came down. Um, and so for for a hot minute there, I was like, okay. I'm like, well, I guess we, we can move. I guess as long as <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, we can move. That's as, as simple as that, right? And the housing market is is in our favor yeah. right now. Right? Oh, there's a place right over one block over. By no. the way, Casey, there's a yeah. text that says, "I've never related someone more than Casey in this moment." <laughs> You're not alone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, but for for a good five to ten minutes. I just, I was going in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I guess we just opened the door 45 degrees, yeah. and that's that's how we're just going to live for the next three years. Because I also didn't spend a lot of money on the fan. The fan was cheaper because the with the salt air, whatever I put up there is going, I'm going to have to replace it in a few years anyway. Right. I mean, it's just kind of, the salt air does How that. wide is that loaf of bread you're sending over? I'm like, <laughs> so this is how we're going to have to live for the next three years, right? So right. the next three years, we're only going to open the door 45 degrees, right. and, and I'm like, and so... And I was like, okay, I'm, like, let me just it's practice. No way to live. Let me just practice. Let me just yeah. how I see how I normally yeah. open the door, and I'm like, boom, and I <laughs> open it into the uh, the fan. So I finally came to the realization that I needed to completely take break s- up the door. <laughs> break the door. Well, so my mom, because my mom was down with us this weekend, she's like, "Can you just lower the door?" And I'm like, "No, like that's." And but and then I thought, I'm like, "Well, maybe I could just shave the top of the door." And like, I can't do oh my that. God, no, no. no. You, I know, Kathy. <laughs> anything to not have to take the ceiling fan apart, right? And put a brand new one in, and that's what I eventually I ended up doing. You you put a new one. I put in. A new one, which also Ugh. sucks. So, but then, which also sucks. So, I had to then. Now that I'm now that I have this knowledge, and they do say that knowledge is power. Um, I measured how far the door, the top of the door, came down from the ceiling. I'm like, okay, this is what my clearance is. So, the fan that I found, I went back to Lowe's, and the lady's like, "Was there a problem with the fan?" And I go, no. Yeah. The problem is with me. <laughs> it's it's a thousand percent with me. User error. Uh, I'm an idiot, and I told her what happened. Um, Did she and- laugh at you? No, I'm, I'm sure they hear it all. I'm sure they hear it all. But uh, we got an idiot on aisle five. <laughs> I, you were one of, I'm sure, a, a hundred people that walked in with f up stories that day. Well, yeah. so what I ended up having to do though is, so I, I, you know, I had to find a fan. I found a, a fan that had 44 inch blades, which okay, um, but didn't but, sit so low. It, but so th- I had to get a tape measure right. to me- but this fan that I found the display model uh, it doesn't it doesn't say on the box or on- online I, or at least I couldn't find online if it had any indications measurements how far the blade sits from the ceiling so now I'm sitting there at Lowe's I go get a tape measure from the tape measure aisle <laughs> and I, the display fan is like 12 feet in the air. Right. So now I've got this tape measure <laughs> like that I'm like, you know, fully extending right. and and my and my uh, vision's not what it yeah. used to be and I'm like I think that I think so even still I got the right fin but there was still that slight possibility that, like, my vision wasn't perfect. And you, I needed you got it. home. You took off the old one. I took off. Returned yeah, that. Returned that. Then I put up the new one. The mounting was a little bit different than the new one. Um, but this t- How long did the whole process take? Well, it should have taken a lot shorter. 
But the the last three screws that I had to put in, Kathy, were inside this casing that had a nest of wires. And I could, it took me one full hour. Oh, my God. No. To get three screws in. <laughs> one full mother effing hour to get three. I can't believe you, like, you have the patience to get through that. I would have, I would have quit. You know, so sometimes, sometimes you're, though, when you go in. You just say I'm in now. I can't. The only I, I either I either I die or the fan gets installed. One yeah. or the other. They, I know that point. You've crossed the line now. There's no going back. You've got to install it. If my mom wasn't there with me, because I have you would have la- burned the house. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I have um, I have nursery school language around my mother. Right. right? Like I don't curse oh, or anything like that. Whole it, there would have been a whole lot of sea suckers, yeah. MFers. There would have been a whole lot of that going on. But she was there. And like, dude, it was just so funny because now that I think about it, like, every time I'd, like, look through a window, she'd be standing there, you know, just watching me making sure. I was like, you know. So at one point, I had gotten two screws in, and then my neighbor walked up with his uh, brother-in-law or cousin or whatever, and then they start talking to me. And now... My neighbor, Joe, who is the best and is just incapable of, like, not helping. Now he's up there, and he's got a, a, a flashlight. Now we've yeah. got four hands in this tiny little box. And uh, and he started to sense my frustration, so he got in there. He couldn't do it, and Joe can do anything. Right. So, so you he, felt so good. At least you felt that if he's having difficulty, it's not something that you should feel that bad about. It's hard. But, dude, I didn't even think I just, I, it's the best, and, and I mean this in a nice no, way. No, it's the best part is when you're done, you look at it, it looks great. Clink. Oh, I finished it, and then you yeah. open the door and clunk. clunk. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Who? Oh, n- no. Mm-hmm. Was it you that opened the door? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was going back in oh, to yeah. turn the electricity on. But yeah. listen, I mean, listen, no, 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 it no, is no. in my genes. My father didn't have much, uh, uh, Ability when it came to like doing things at home, he he didn't do a whole lot of that sort of stuff. But just kind of, this was my dad in a nutshell, and this is this is me in a bigger nutshell. My dad was uh, changing some pipes in the kitchen, realized that he didn't have a part that he needed, so he's like, okay, I got to go to the hardware store. So he gets up <laughs> and he goes to wash his hands because he's got like you know grease and stuff all over his hands, and uh, <laughs> his feet are getting soaking wet because he <laughs> forgot that he completely taken all the pipes out of the bottom of the sink that he was now. <laughs> this is this is my bloodline. This is where I get it from. Casey, a few people mentioned, uh, could you have switched the door? Could you have switched the way the door opened? I could, but that that would have been a whole other. It would have then I would have had to have changed everything. Like you I, know what I mean? I would have had to like drill in where the the latches go. Have installed and, Star Trek doors that yeah. split as you walk yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Pocket <laughs> doors. Yeah. Uh, hang on a second. Let me go to Dwayne because a few people are are also mentioning this. Hi, Dwayne. Good morning. Good morning, Black listeners living in Delaware. Oh, hey. uh, Delaware, Delaware Black, Black. Rock. <laughs> but guess what? Though? I'm originally from media, though, so I'm a Delco. All right, all right, cool. All right, but Casey, they come. The fans either come with they have a pole in there, so like either you want the fan flush to the ceiling or you have the pole. Why don't you just take the pole out? That way, it'd be flushed to the ceiling. It was flush. There was no pole. It was flushed to the ceiling, oh. and it was it was flushed okay. to the ceiling, and it was still too low. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a lower. Yeah. Ceiling. Oh, it, was, wow. it was only like right, well, eight inches thanks, from the Dwayne. ceiling. You know, hey, Dwayne, are you still there? 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was only eight inches from the ceiling. I needed it to be like seven and a half inches from the ceiling. <sighs> well, that's what she said. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Dwayne. We'll see, man. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ! We've all had stuff like that happen. Of course, it's the bane of your existence. Where it usually rears its ugly head is when you're building something from IKEA. That's why I just know that that uh, I I I have to if if I want it done, I I have to get someone else who knows what they're doing to do it. I just (laughs) know that I will mess something up along the way. You know, and it's, I've always been that. Also, way. Preston, what looms in the back of my mind is if I've done anything electrical. If I've done so, I wanted to install, a, have a, a heater unit installed in my shower, so that when you get out in the winter, there's hot air come blows down on you, like an right. like an, a those motor lodges of days yeah. gone by. <laughs> right. So I'm 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 looking at the thing, and I'm like. What's going to happen is and I'll get it installed, and in about a month, the entire house will burn to the ground. <laughs> yeah. and, is and, it worth and so it? is that worth it in my yeah, mind? Yeah. And I decided, no, let my brother-in-law, who's a contractor, well, do it. That's the thing. If wires are involved, that's at, like, no. Yeah. We're out. We're all out. Everyone in the house is out. We're going to hire somebody. That's it. Because uh-huh. you do not want to F with that. I, the prof- they're professionals. You know, I get the do-it-yourself culture. I get it, but... Defer to the experts when it comes to and it, so your whole home getting set on fire. That's my line of thinking. Well, Casey, you talk about your bloodline. My, my dad was a plumber, HVAC guy, so he could fix anything. But it was also like the old school thing where it's like the cobbler's son has no shoes. Like oh, yeah. the, the plumber's last, children right. have no nothing fixed. The contractor's right? house is never complete. Exactly. It's, it's, I know so many contractors and my own my own brothers in law. Their houses houses are never complete because they're working on other people. Steve, I put in uh, four windows last year. Right. Uh, I'm like, okay, and 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 honestly, windows aren't that tough to put in <laughs> unless you're me. We um, went through window nation, <laughs> so you should see uh, the one window in the one bedroom. Uh, like uh, you know, window molding is uh, supposed to not be flush with the wall. <laughs> Mine is flush with the wall, and it's like I don't, I don't give a. I don't. That's a different aesthetic approach. And I just, I was like, I don't care. I at this point, I'm like, I have given up. I do not care. It is a window that is completely in the one corner of the room that blinds are over most of the time. So, like, unless you're there, like, really inspecting it, like, you're not going to notice. You're not going to notice it. And so that's that. You know, and and some people, like my neighbor Joe, he's like, I can't live like that. Yeah, he's like, I'll be in the other room. I'll be in the other room thinking about that flush. Yeah, some people it gets in their Uh head. Here's a great text. It says everybody messes up first couple of times they do it, but that's how you learn how to do it. So don't be scared. Go ahead and try it. And uh, and and you'll learn from your mistakes. The thing to do is you learn from your mistakes by going through the smoldering debris and seeing yes. what went wrong. <laughs> so, Kathy, you want to hear something funny? And this is this is not uh, this is just what I'm thinking. Uh, I think my wife hates the fan, but she knows how frustrated oh, no. and Why frustrating it was. I just don't think she's a big fan of it. <laughs> Wait, like, uh, like doesn't want the fan there, or um, well, are you a ceiling fan? fan? I am. I am. Yeah. I am absolutely. Yeah. I sleep with it on every single night. As do I, remember I. For a while there, it became like, especially when uh, uh, Trading Places came out there. Yeah. Like, All right, first thing we're doing is get rid of the ceiling fan. Like ceiling fans became like this thing. F you Trading Screw Places. That. Yeah. I love them. I love them. They're, I agree. They're not aesthetically pleasing, but they serve a very good purpose. What about you, Kathy? I'm extremely. You're not interested. I right? have them in my house, and I hate them, and I want to rip them out. <laughs> Why? Wow. Uh, kind of what Marissa said. Like it's just the decor of it. The I want to change. Yeah. 
So <laughs> uh, it's the function that yeah. I appreciate. Uh-huh. I, I have mine on uh, every night. That just, that's a southern thing, the, the slow circulating of air, you know, or even cranking it up. On a porch, though, if your porch tends to get hot, I was actually looking, Casey, yeah. at having it done. So, oh, so we have an, an older, you know, it's uh, an older house with an aesthetic. The fans would have, on the line that they'd have to be in, we would have had that same situation where the blades would be hitting that the actual front of the house. Yeah, couldn't do it. Well, so, the covered porches are huge now. I mean, everybody's yeah. getting them, and and a fan out there, yeah, is right. perfect. So, I, I think my wife is anti ceiling fan on the porch for a while there because then, they keep hitting the front door. <laughs> <laughs> that that might have something to do with it. What's that sound? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the fan repeatedly hitting the front door. <laughs> the, um, you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it after a while. There's no bugs, but it's really loud. Here's some earplugs and some iced tea. But we were sitting on the porch um, probably at a, about a month ago, and the, the the bugs were eating us up, something fierce. And so I ended up grabbing a like one of those oscillating fans yeah. we had in the bedroom. I brought it out, and it got rid of the bugs. And then so she kind of saw the light there. We love sitting out on that front porch. So the, the regular fan that you can kind of move in place like like a worksite fan, or uh-huh. you know it's a, a mofo, yeah. the big Barrel, like we had them at the MMRBQ. Yeah, those big barrel fans. You could sit down uh, anywhere. You sit them far away, and they'll create that breeze, and you won't. It won't be like you're just right in the line of fire. Hey, they also have, and so uh, somebody in my uh, my daughter's track team, they ended up buying one. Of, I think they got it on Amazon, Steve. You've, you've heard of Amazon. Right? Yes, yeah. It's a, it's a small startup. Small startup yeah. online, and uh, it is one of those um, misting fans. Oh, well, we, we have a number of them. But it, it's, it's uh, like it keeps bugs away. Yeah. Well, the, it, it's hard to do that because if you're going to get a real one, you got to you run your hose to it. Yeah, but if you're going to go, you can't, if you're at a track meet or a soccer game or Lo- something. Just get long hose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need 500 feet of hose <laughs> to reach back to the school. Do you mind if I hook that up? <laughs> what do I keep driving over? Well, that's the hose connected to my house. Uh, but they also have, Casey, not just the ceiling fans, but uh, kind of that mount on the wall, too, mm. that you can do, that can even oscillate. Uh, yeah. That you can put up. I think Chuck's friend had that when we went over for his birthday. When Leanne, were you there? No, we're, 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 I wasn't invited. They usually have them in opium dens. <laughs> it was last year. Right. I probably wasn't invited. Oh, wait, <laughs> Brian's place, the one that's on the water? On the water? No, we don't. We can okay, talk about this later. it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it later. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Why so wasn't I invited to Brian? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyhow, it's uh, it's completed. It works. You do have a ceiling fan. We have a ceiling fan. After all that The work. light works. The ceiling fan works. Okay. But the garage door falls off. <laughs> When you turn the fan on. All right. Well, it's just one of those things where it's like it's like you know constructing a uh, like like a um, a a, a dresser or something like that, and then going to move it into the room that you meant to build have it in, and it's too big and it won't fit. You know, it's something along those lines. It's the age old. It's the um, the we had a story a while ago. Uh, I was a woman talking about. I guess it was a like a like a huge bureau. Do you remember this? They were trying to get it at the front door. They had the construction company come. They took the molding off. Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah. They, they, in the back of the house, were these huge French doors that opened oh, yeah. up out to they the They could deck. have gone out that they way. They could have gone out effortlessly. <laughs> but I remember they had to take the frame off of, that, yeah. of the door. Yeah. Uh, and totally redo that. Hey, you know, you know what I just realized also is uh, I had also used the saw. I had to cut the top of the fence post off so I could put one of those little caps on. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So I cut the top of this post off, and I'm just realizing it right now that the top of the post ended up falling into Carol's yard, and I left it there, and so it's sitting there in her. Oh, God. I know, oh dude. God. She's going to call the cops on me or something. This weekend? You're in trouble. Yes. Wow. All right. I bought a um, bookshelf that I loved. It was really cool. It had, like, a, a library. Uh, yeah. Like those. Um, a ladder. A ladder yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like, Rolls slides back and forth. Oh. Yeah. It didn't fit in the elevator. Oh. And it was already put together. And so they call me from downstairs and they're like, hey, this doesn't fit. Like, what would you like to do? Like, we can just return it and refund you. I didn't know that they were already spending two hours trying to get it up before they called me. Wow. I felt terrible. What, did you just take a, a rope, like a 500-foot uh, rope out of your, <laughs> off of your, your terrace? I don't think that would have even worked that either. Take your 500-foot hose yeah. that you use for your misting fan. Yes. You know, oh. what it does happen, though, Press, more often than not, and, and you'll see it, and you know, people with money will do this. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll order something, and they will have a crane oh. lift it and, yeah. and you know do the whole thing outside the building. There was, I remember, uh, um, a, a stereo TV place had had sent one like a huge set, you know, ninety inches into a, a place in the city, and the guy, the, oh, we can't get it up. Okay. Within about an hour, there was a crane service there, and they the building removed. The window. I mean, all this just to get this TV into the living room. That's insane. All right. Well, anyway, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, we eventually got a happy ending. You fixed it. Yeah, it works. Take a break. Be back in a moment. Wait, what's they? Where was that place, Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks and we've got bigger problems. Now, Bizarre. WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre File. Let's start with this. An environmental truck, meaning a trash truck, um, exploded while I was picking up trash at a home. And according to the fire chief, John Leroy, he said, the biggest thing with chemicals is when you mix them, you never know what's going to happen. That's true. And he said, that is unfortunately what happened when multiple chemicals were mixed together. We had we had some sort of a reaction that nearly injured two firefighters. A, home, a homeowner had conducted a deep clean and and unknowingly set off an atom bomb. No, unknowingly dumped all her teenage son's chemicals that he used to make fireworks in. Oh, my God. And once the mix was put into the garbage truck, it exploded and trash flew everywhere. Uh, The fire... The fire... Fire department quarantined the truck until they could figure out what was in the chemical mix. They don't know as of yet, but it was nasty. All right. Uh, let's start with this. Wait a second. What? Look at the beautiful image of Kathy. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm, I know. The no, sun. No, the I was thinking is, the same thing. It's like, I'm I'm no longer with you on Earth. It's it's very ethereal. Kathy Somebody is on our... picture. She's on our monitors here in the studio. Yeah, Marissa, can you take a, uh, a picture of Kathy and the way that the light is coming in through her window... It looks like she is uh, in heaven. It looks like a, a painting from the, from the Renaissance or something like that. You know, she's got like the angelic hue behind like her. 
It's beautiful, isn't it, Nick? Well, Nick, you know uh, the Renaissance woman always wore tie-dye sweatshirts. Yes, mm, that too. Of course. I'm with Jesus now in heaven. All right, uh, here. Okay. Please, touch the hem of my sweater, and you shall be healed. And there she goes. Goodbye. Off Goodbye. I have to go now. To the nether. And I have to do the bizarre file. Okay, please. Sorry. Okay. Oh. So, uh, Sorry. New Did you just say that? Jeez. New Kim. That is the name. New Kim is a wealthy Chinese pigeon. Uh, and actually, she's not the wealthy one. The owner is. A Chinese <laughs> pigeon racing fan put down a record price of $1.9 million. On a pigeon? For the Belgian bred bird, saying a lot more than merely what kind of money can be made in the once quaint sport, which seemed destined to decline only a few years back. During a frantic last half hour Sunday at the end of a two-week auction at the Pippa Pigeon Center, two Chinese bidders operating under the pseudonyms Super Duper and Hitman drove the price... Uh, drove up the price by $325,000, leaving the previous record that Belgian-bred Armando had fetched last year well behind by $406,000. That Armando is a cad. Super Duper got the hen, and behind the pseudonym is said to be the same wealthy Chinese industrialist who already had Armando, allowing for breeding with the two expensive birds. So top-performing pigeons can yield up to a a million dollars plus? Almost two million. That's crazy. Only a decade ago. Did they taste that good? Only a decade ago, the record price for a pigeon stood at one-tenth of New Kim's price. And the current price of gold stands at about $30,350 per pound, so it's way more than that. Meet the new Kim, same as the old Kim. With the rise of business wealth in China came also conspicuous consumption and a new venue for gambling. Somehow, pigeons fit that bill. China often features one loft racing where pigeons all get used to one coop for months and then they're released many hundreds of miles away to make their way back to their unique set with their unique sense of orientation and special speed training. Prize pots can reach into the tens of millions of dollars. I had no idea this was this big a, a lucrative sport. Neither did I. Now, China's where they race them, but for breeding, though, there's no place like Belgium. That's apparently oh. where they breed them great. Well, that's my grandmother. Used to say. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, $1.9 million for a freaking pigeon. I, I Freaking pigeon? One more... <laughs> Freaking pigeons. One last story. Yeah. Kathy's, uh, her sunlight went away. I know that. I'm uh, glad we captured it while we had it. A bust of the ancient god Hermes in good condition was discovered in central Athens during sewage work. <laughs> the Greek culture ministry said that the head, one of many that served as street markers in ancient Eighth Athens, was found Friday. It appears to be from around 300 B.C. And 300? they found it in the sewer, dude. Yeah. So why did they keep their cherished possessions in the sewer, Preston? It depicts Hermes as a mature at a mature age in contrast to his usual depictions as youthful. Uh, the head is in the style of famed Greek sculpture Alcamenes, who flourished in the second half of 5th century B.C., the minister said. Um, after serving as a street marker, the head at some point had been built into the wall what are of, a drainage, with his head? of a drainage duct. But it's from 300 B.C. That's pretty wild. It's funny because you, you go around Philadelphia here and obviously we have that. Oh, and that was, you know, 1730. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. Yep. All right. And that's what I have in the bizarre file for you. Stay with us. We will return in just a few seconds. 
Not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. Celebrate the coziest season with Acme. They're bringing all the fall flavors to you. From pumpkin everything to caramel apples and all your seasonal favorites. Make the most of fireside dinners, game-winning touchdowns, and warm family gatherings. Acme's here to help you spice, season, and savor every moment. You'll find fresh inspiration, chef-curated recipes, on-demand cooking classes, and more just waiting to be enjoyed. So slow down and fall into flavor at acmemarkets.com slash fall. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. The last time we had a chance to speak with members of this band, uh, they were in transport on a bus. We yeah. had this great conversation. It's fantastic. And our first interaction with the band, and now we've got everybody who is in our studio here. It, did everybody else get the emails about excited people yeah. that they yeah. were coming yeah. in today? I, I got an email from somebody who is rescheduled their vacation <laughs> around their tour. Oh, wow. That is how uh, rabid their fans are. Please welcome Josh, Zach, Travis, and Claudio from Coheed and Cambria this morning. Gentlemen, good morning. Good to see you again. The last time, at, at Claudio, you were on a bus. We, we chatted with you. Uh, are you guys, your tour doesn't start just yet, though, right? No, we're actually we headed to uh, Lidditz for um, dress rehearsals. Okay. I, uh, I keep hearing great things about that uh, soundstage there. Uh, like, all the bands go there uh, to... Uh, so, can you explain to the layperson what it is that, that you do there? Well, it's it's more of like dress rehearsals. So, it's really if you have a lot of, like... At least from my understanding, because we don't typically go there, um, but because we have props and video and things like that, it gives it gives like the production a chance to run the system. And that's what it's, and it's the facility's designed to accommodate that. So, yes, yeah. yeah, because we've had who is who is. I mean, the Stones were there. Yeah. Fish, Fish yeah. goes there. Metallica. Chili um, Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. 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 Are there are there other places like that in the country? Or I mean, po- probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is the one we're aware of uh, primarily because our old tour manager lives in that town and now works for the facility. There you go. Okay, <laughs> we get a discount. When, when, it, when it comes to the production, so we, you know, we just played Rush and I had a chance to talk to Getty Lee one time and I, I, I'm, I'm a lifelong Rush fan and when I go to the shows, that's one of the things I love. They would put movie screens up. They would have inflatables. They would do these things that were part of the music that was being played as well to interact and give you this visual as well as audio sense thing. And, and I'd ask, I'm like, okay, you guys just don't sit down and come up with that stuff yourself, do you? He's like, no, there's, there's, there are people that help out with this. What about with you guys and the production value of your show? Do you have people that listen to the music and go, okay, here's what I envision this looking like? I wish it was like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, typically I'll draw like a very crude sketch of what I imagine and then like send it off to management and then... They'll find somebody that can, you know, put the pieces right. together in terms of like financially. Like, so, like you're, if you want a stone stone hinge, uh, <laughs> but you accidentally put the inches instead of feet. Right. right. Okay. I was no. thinking the same thing. The same thing. Because like, to me, that seems. But you, you, you're. And we talked last time, and and uh, I've, I've since, uh, you know, uh, 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 taken a more um, active approach in in, uh, in listening to a lot of your stuff because we love progressive, uh, you know, concept albums, and we love the the whole predicate for for your musical. Um, journey across these different albums and and the the uh, the sci-fi elements and, and so on and so forth but it, it, it's got to be hard um when you're putting together a show because it's so in your minds and you've lived with it for so long in that staging process to say you know 
how do how do I convey this thought? Because it's so near and dear to you to, to at, at some point say, all right, you do it now. It's got to be hard, right? Right, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I also understand, like, with trying to put together a production like this, there are going to be limitations. I'm not making, like, the Star Wars movies. Right, There's, right. Like, trying to find these pieces that are really both resemble uh, the story properly and also just the lineage of the band. Right. So, like, picking those things. and So it, it is. It's a delicate process. That's why it's so hard to just kind of hand off. You know, it needs to work in both domains. It, it's amazing that. when you encounter someone who's, uh, who's very creative uh, and, and can... I think that actually is, is an evolution in the step of being creative is to say, to get your people where you can go, okay, now you can, I, I'm going to pass this along to you because you have to at some point because the general product will suffer if you don't have someone doing that. Right. Yeah. I was curious about, you know, when, when you are rehearsing for a tour, if when you guys go and you, you get in this, uh, in this uh, performance space and do it, if you will try to get to where... Okay, guys, we're going to run it all the way through from beginning to end as if there's an audience there. Do you try to do that or mm -hmm. you do? Okay. Yeah. So with, with similar amount of breaks in between songs, like, you know, you only have a certain amount of time, you go right into this other song. And then uh, and then you then I, obviously you do that for a little while once you get out on the road and you've perfected it a few shows into that. Yeah. I mean, it's really some people I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but some no. people I think like Pearl Jam is kind of like, all right. Here's the set list for tonight. Right. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, you you don't you don't have kind of that luxury. No. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so, but to, to that point, I mean, how how long into a into a tour routinely does it take before? You've got the product the way you want it. Oh, that's a good question. And I just reduced what you do to a product. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, w with lights and, and, and programming and whatever that is, you know, that usually takes a couple of weeks. But for us, you know, it is. We, we got to understand our bodies. And there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of action. You know, we don't just sort of rely on the visuals. You know, right. Coheed has been a very energetic band, you know, the 20 years we've been one. So it's a... Uh, so, uh, you know, we need to take that into consideration. We don't, you know, our, just our health, you know. Right, um, right. So that's why we run it front to back is to okay. make sure that we can breathe. Claudio, right. as an artist, I'm curious as to how do you know when uh, something is finished? You know, be it um, a, a song or, or, you know, a stage production or whatever. Like, because so much um, artistic vision goes into it. And I think artists sometimes don't know, am I done with this? Did, did I do it the way that I wanted to do it? So how do you know, all right, this is... I'm done now, and now I can move on to the next one. You know, it's it's tough because you're never really done, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I want to say it's safe to say with this last record, I feel pretty complete just because the music has been around for so long. But typically the music is alive for a moment. Mm -hmm. You record it, you put it out, and you can't help but, like, sit and sort of nitpick it and think about the things that you could have done better. Um, you know, that happens, so... But but uh, usually for me, when I know a song is is done, is when I'm pretending I'm Josh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like slamming an air drum, and I'm like getting super. Uh, you're you're hearing you're hearing it as you're hearing it as an audience member, basically. Right. You're, right. Oh, right. okay. You mentioned you mentioned Josh, your drummer, and when we spoke to you last, you said you made an interesting comment. I wish I had the exact quote, but Steve, I think you had asked him. You know, wish uh, if there was something you wish people. Uh, appreciated more about the band or something like that. And I think you said something along the line, I wish they knew even more so what a great drummer Josh is. Yes. So he gave you this big time love on our on our program, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw it. It was incredible. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, uh, we've all been playing music together for a very long time and in different bands, you know, and... Uh, 
you know, when I first saw Josh play, he was playing in a band with his brother, and I just remember being like so, f- like fixed and fascinated on him. Yeah. As and I'm like, wow, you know, it would just be incredible to one day play with him. And I think we had one night had a few beers together and. We were maybe taking a pee or and and mind you, Josh's brother and his ba- their band was like signed. They were off and going to do something, and I had said to him, you know, one day we're going to play in a band together. And uh, you know, probably like, you're, you're crazy. Fifteen, <laughs> 15 years old. You're fifteen. Hey, um, drunk on the porch. We're going to play together. <laughs> I was such a big fan of his. I, I wanted that to be true, but that felt crazy. But here we are. You know, that's nice. great. Hey, uh, I want to go back to the finished product. Uh, have you guys um, changed anything that was quote unquote finished? Whether it be a lyric or, or a chord progression, or have you? Because you've been you know playing something or singing something for so long, and you go, you know what, man. This would have sounded... And you know what? You're the creator. You can do whatever the hell you want to it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever done anything that was um, kind of already in the books for years? Yeah, we have. We've added, like, you know, little things like like injecting, like, a cover of The Trooper inside a Coheed song, you know, um... Uh, things That's like cool. that, you That's know, cool to be able to do that. It's cool. Yeah, and you also because you know you when you make a record and you record the record, you only have this like it feels like at least like this finite, you know, po- portion of time. And you know, as you play it and perform it, you start to realize there are some things that you can do a little better. And I mean, you know, you start to modify, and it happens. And you know, I was curious about you know musicians, bands that have a, have a body of work. Uh, if you can kind of fall in and out of love with certain songs uh, that you've written through the years. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know that. If I may jump in here quickly, Preston, what, what song fell out of favor that is now back in favor? Um. Oh, what has fallen? You know, that's a tough one. Because I know. Well, you, you don't just to revisit, like, you're, you know... Sometimes you need to rediscover why you wrote it and loved it in the first place, you know? Right. Uh, there's one song we're performing on this tour that we haven't in a while. And I, I like the song, um, but it's just a difficult one. And it seems to be a fan favorite. And we haven't played it in a long time. Uh but it's like it's the one of the set list that I'm like I'm like I want to battle, you know I want I want <laughs> right. to get it because it, it is it's really tough on my throat. And yeah, it's like right in the middle of the set, and but it's called the running free. Okay, okay. so is it like in the show? You like all right, three more till the running. <laughs> <laughs> three more, two more. Right. Exactly. Do you, right, you got to do it? Do you guys all feel the same about that song? In particular? Is it sort of a, a goop, or do you all have your own specific? Uh, Songs. No, I don't think that that song. I mean, we, the, there's a song that we're playing from the new record, which is a big undertaking. And I think that the, every night when we get that done, for me in particular, I'll feel really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you, Zach? Anything? Or is it just all easy? No. no. It's definitely not all easy. No. no. no actually, yeah, uh, there's some stuff, um, you know, from the new record where singing backup vocals is really difficult. So okay. that's, that kind of stuff will uh, stress me out because we, I can't really sing that good. So. <laughs> and we know Josh is so good that there's no problem with <laughs> <laughs> Well, your, your music has so many different textures. It has so many different places that it can go to from tender ballad to in your face, yeah. you know, uh, that I would imagine the set list allows you time to take these breathers and, and, and flow. And, and you want the music to flow anyway when you're, when you're playing a show. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. also curate a lot of segues to allow us time. To, okay. Yeah. You know, keep vibe going and allow us time to just gather our, ourselves. Be, speaking of segues, I'll use this one to see if we can get some music. It's what I do, Josh. All right. <laughs> 
Steve, you can get some uh, music for us this morning. And what, what song do you want to do here, Claudia? Uh, we're going to do the Liars Club. For oh. Excellent. All right, this is Coheed and Cambria on MMR. Liars It's the fear that wakes us up
my goodness. Yes. That's beautiful. That is just stunning. Coheed and Cambria, 93.3 WMMR, the Vaxxas to a window of the Waking Mind tour. Uh, and they're rehearsing, and they were in the vague vicinity, so came by this morning. It was so glad you had wow. here. You know, Preston talked about getting emails and people being very excited and that, you know, your, your fan base is so invested in what you do. And, and you, you mentioned Star Wars earlier. There was a point at which... George Lucas became a pariah to his own fans. You know, how do you balance, because your fans have such ownership of your content, you know, they're so invested in it, is that a fine line you have to walk? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think about it too, mu- too much, just because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the story is, is so directly related to my experiences when I'm writing it. Right. It's hard, like... You know, there are things conceptually that I'll inject that I'll know that, like for example, this last this last record and its compo- story component ends on on this cliffhanger that I really knew. Like when I came up with the idea, this is going to please the audience, yeah, like in such a fantastic way, and it has so far. Like as people are starting to digest the record and and read the story, I'm seeing a lot of comments about it and people trying not to spoil the end. Um, but for the most part, I, I try not to uh, not to think about it. Um, but uh, but when I when I get a concept that I know <laughs> yeah. is going to be right. a home run, it's like oh, this is going to be great. That's so, excellent. That's a cool uh, place to be. At. Yeah. Uh, speaking of concepts and uh, and uh, genre stuff and so on, because we had a nice lengthy conversation with you last time. Uh, did you watch Stranger Things? Oh yeah. Oh my God! Right <laughs> now, Nick has not finished it yet, so no spoilers. Two but, episodes to go. I'm watching yeah. this weekend. Oh, get on it, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's just he's right. It's, it's funny because you know you're talking about spoilers, and in this day and age, uh, information just gets out. You you uh, might just be scanning through Twitter about anything, and then all of a sudden you get some spoiler about Coheed, or you get some spoiler about or Stranger Things, just because it's been out for a week or however long the record's been out, and so. As as a consumer of the product, you're like, but I want to be, I want to take that in. I want to be surprised by it. You know, it, it, it makes it's it's a weird challenge to have to present to yourself, but it it's a challenge nonetheless. You know, yeah, especially now when there's just so many avenues to get things spoiled. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. tough. Like you know, if you're on social media, that's it's going to happen. Well, you might be your realm. The story you've been telling with these many albums over the course of you know this epic um, story. I think it's. Uh, unless you actually sit down and listen, it's harder to get spoiled. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. it, it, so you might be, in all the realms, you might be the most immune to spoilers, correct? Right, right. right. But it's funny because the other day my wife, uh, she got, because my wife and I, we partnered together on writing the uh, right. the, compo- the story. And uh, she got a, a social post that was a picture of the end of the story with the illustration and, you know, the big spoiler. Right, right. And she's like, I can't repost this. So she just, like, X's out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, it happens. But, yeah, I think we're, we're, in, we're definitely in a safer zone. Is there any talk of this coming to the screen? You know, we started uh, to talk with our agent at William Morris about trying to make it make it happen. Um, Me with the Duffer Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, yeah. I just saw that they uh, put out... Um, they have like now like a, a, a subsidiary of Netflix that they're putting out, and I sent it to management. Like we should send this to the Duffer Brothers. Yeah, like, why not? Yeah. You know, do you see it as a as an animated a story or or live action? I see it as all of them. I could see yeah. it as an animation. I could see it as a live action film or or show. Um, what do you think your fans would like to see it as? Uh, I, that's a good question. I think probably a show, just because it's more in line with the format of a comic. 
Yeah. You know, seeing as like, you know, comic book is like 12 uh, issues, primarily like in, in, in like an arc. So 12 episodes in a, in a, in like a, an episodic. I, I could see that. I could see it like that, but. You know, these Vaxxas stories really, to me, play out more like a, a film. Who rocks your world in, in as far as uh, who were your um, seminal influences as far as science fiction? And, you know, I assume you're all in the in the genre as far as uh, a love of this material. You in particular, uh, Cliff. I mean, yeah, just growing up, uh, Star Wars. I mean, I was born in 78, so that was just in my... In your real house. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, that was so... I was so into that that I was looking for... You know, sitting up waiting for HBO to maybe get the license and play it. Yeah. And find things like Crawl or I think we, Krull. Have, we talked yeah. about Crawl. Yeah, yeah. Krull was a favorite of mine. Like, Doom really, sits right Doom, in your wheelhouse. Yeah, right? Yeah. Did you? I forget if we asked you last time, but have you seen? Do you yeah. saw the most recent? I love. I mean, that's right in your pocket there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Big sci-fi world building. It's become my thing. I think about it now. I'm like, wow, I've been doing it 20 years. It's it's actually over 20 years because the concept was born in 98. And I'm just like, wow, this is it's it's so bizarre when I see all of the characters and we do the comic conventions and even the crews. Like when people cosplay fans cosplay as like characters in the story that they seem to resonate with. It's like, wow, that's pretty powerful. Like, uh, you know, I've always wanted to have that. I've always wanted to do that. You know, how many times have you seen a cosplayer come up and you think to yourself, well, I, I envision that character more in shape. Yeah. <laughs> in my no, mind. <laughs> different. <laughs> you know what happens. <laughs> like, there was a guy who used to come out to our events very nice, but we eventually called him Captain Central America. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh. he was less impressive than Captain America. And then we had Cross-Eyed Batman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, they're having fun. They're definitely having fun. Yeah. Having fun, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. From, the, from the characters in the story, uh, do people reach out to you and say that they've, uh, they've you know, gotten inspiration and in their own personal lives oh, and so on? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, just to I- inspired to create uh, stories or... Um, Fan fiction, basically, off your stuff. Well, that, yeah. that happens. That could happen. Um, but even just like, you know... You know, aspiring to be like an author of of some sort, you wow, know, or a creator. That's so cool, so. nice. Uh, do we have time to get another song out of you? I, absolutely. All right. Let me make sure I'm I'm there for you guys. All right. I'll mention again, uh, Vaxxas Two Window of the Waking Mind tour at uh, Leah Core Center. Just go to Coheed and Camria dot com. All the tour information and ticket sales information is right there. What are we going to hear now, Claudio? Uh, shoulders. Excellent. There's your shoulders on MMRs. Coheed and Camria. Listen now, then I've got your attention. Got to let it, you know.
So damn good. We gave each other the nod there, yeah, Preston. We were like, yeah. uh-huh. yeah, in Cambria, 93.3 WMMR. It's everything that rocks. It's shoulders. That's just awesome, man. We love that song. Uh, are a lot of these songs, you know, you're playing these acoustic today, obviously. Are a lot of them born on the acoustic guitar, or they start somewhere else? You know, uh, Liars Club may have been born on acoustic guitar, but not in that fashion. Probably more like it is on the record. And... Uh, I think I think shoulders was just sort of right into uh, like an amp, you know. Okay. So it was a guitar driven, but not acoustic. Yeah, hey, I was. I mean, I guess everybody has their their method of, of writing songs, or they might just be kind of scattershot doing it here and there. What's yeah. how do you do it? That's kind of what I do. Is it's just uh, so it really all depends. Like I've you know I'll write something maybe on piano. I'll rock on you know acoustic guitar. Synthesize, program stuff. I'll do whatever, whatever like sort of inspires. We have we have a friend, and we're very lucky to have uh, befriended this guy for a number of years now. His name is Michael Giacchino. He's a uh, a composer, and he has done everything from he he wrote the music for The Incredibles. And he just he, did oh, Thor. Uh, he did the, he did the recent Thor film, and he did the Batman. Right. And he's he's like the guy. He's like the John Williams, Amazing. and a complete you would pick up with him immediately, you guys, because he's right, oh, yeah. a pop culture nerd mm-hmm. to the 10th level. So yeah. he's from New Jersey, and we've been friends from him. We've been to his house in L.A. and all this stuff. But anyhow, I'm always fascinated with orchestration, how it can start here on the piano, but it ends up being multi-instrument on something completely different, you know, uh, samples and, and all these things. And and does, does that... You don't hear that right away, do you? Or, you know, when, when you're writing a song and maybe hearing it, playing it on this instrument, but maybe hearing it on another one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, some th- clarity definitely comes with, like, the with the sound, you know. Um, I, yeah, I could absolutely play something here that, 
you know, I might not vibe with and then go and play it on piano or or program it and all of a sudden it feels like a different world and it works it's like uh, this is where this is the nucleus now of the song i've always wondered that the reason i brought that up with him the reason i brought michael up is because you know he he has a whole orchestra to to choose from and and to pick and i'm like well how do you know that that's that's an oboe that's gonna play that part you know when you have all these things to choose from and and it might be an acoustic performance here this morning but josh is getting a workout in the back and (laughs) i am i am impressed by the tambourine on the left foot josh i don't know if i've ever seen that before i know this is pretty cool, right? Yeah. I was thinking this is more confusing than playing the drums. I was watching him. I'm like, what's going on back there? I, I couldn't take my eyes off of Josh the whole performance. It was, it was mesmerizing. We were connected. I can feel it. That's it. So he's, he's sitting on an instrument that's called a cajon, and then he's, he took a tambourine and just shoved his foot through it, through the hole, and he has an egg shaker. So I think it's the... <laughs> He's got it all back there. He's like one of those guys with the symbols between his knees. That's where this all ends. I'm okay with that. I don't want to say he's carrying the whole band, but I mean, Josh Josh is out on Fisherman's Wharf with a case out in front of him. Hey, it's come to this. Do you like my monkey? I wanted to ask, speaking of, of Josh and, and drumming, and we, I, I doing research, and I have not seen this, and I don't know if this is even remotely true, but at, at one point was Taylor Hawkins, did, did he do any studio work for you guys? Yes, he did in uh, on the record No World for Tomorrow. Okay, what was that experience like? Oh, it was great. Yeah. I mean, at the time, you know, we were kind of going through some turmoil, and, uh, you know, Taylor just kind of brought an energy that I think we really needed to, you know, pull Travis and myself, like, out of the rut we were in. Right, right. It, it's, but you, I don't get the impression that you, you employ a lot of, you know, hired guns when you're putting your music together, do you? Oh, no, not not really. I mean, you know, uh, usually when it's auxiliary. Okay. It's like maybe some, like, Latin percussions or this last record, we had a fellow by the name of Chris Jonke come in and, and help, like, with the orchestrations and things like that. But uh, primarily, like, the this is the, you know, the... The performance, yeah, it just sounds fantastic. It really is. Is is it difficult because you're so firmly entrenched with it, with it, your style? Your again, many years. You know, you're talking about how long you've been at it, um, and hopefully, we're serving the purpose of bringing new people into the uh, into the fold. You know, uh, is is that something that is in your mind, or if it happens, it happens. Uh, like bringing extra people. And new, new people to the uh, to the cause. You know, we, we have done it on in live performances uh, in the past. You know, background singers, uh, you know, auxiliary keys, that sort of situation. I mean, I think about... I was meaning on more like a listener fan base. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Bringing them in how? I'm in sorry. other words, because <laughs> people who are unfamiliar with your music, you know, who, oh. who may have perceived you a different way... Not realizing, you know, is that something that you look to do, or is that even absolutely? I mean, you know, I, I, anybody would want more, more yeah, ears on their stuff, but I wonder if that's an active modus operandi. There. You know, it, it is. It's definitely. You know, we, we. I. I mean, I'm. You know, the music is very personal to me, and I think it has a very universal quality to it. Right. You know, uh, uh, concept sort of aside. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would love to reach a bigger audience, and I think it has the potential to do that. You know, um. yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. I just quickly press to bring up like when we had Ghost and Tobias uh, Forge Fortune here, and you know, you, you, it presents one way, and then you see, oh, there, it's actually like this, you know, and I, you know, and you can sort of clear misconceptions about, you know. 
what we've learned about you and, and how fascinating the whole thing is, I think a lot of people are now finding that a very intriguing aspect. So hopefully we're helping in that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so. By the way, uh, Josh had tweeted out earlier that uh, he was appearing on the show this morning and uh, got a tweet back from uh, Zach Myers of Shinedown oh. and said to tell us all hi. Cool. Uh, here at uh, WMMR. Uh, do you guys have uh, buddy bands, guys that you, uh, for some reason, another whole other band that you've become tight with? I mean, you tour with other groups. You, I'm sure you've played festivals throughout the years and things like that. I got yeah, that's, for, that's for any of you guys. Yeah, any, yeah. Any, any other bands that, that have become, uh, you know, really tight with Coheed and Cambria? Well, I do. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. There's a numerous bands that, you know, I think we all have toured with throughout the years. That uh, we've we've gotten closer with relationship wise in the past few years. For me personally, I have um, our friends from a band that we toured with early on called Thursday. Um, some friends uh, we, from a band called Circus Survive huh. that um, we toured with a lot. They're actually from Pennsylvania. Okay, how do your um, shows? How how do they? I mean, obviously they differ in uh, the, you know how long your set is. But when you do like a like a festival type of setting where you know you have to shrink everything down, how do you guys approach that? Uh, you know, it's just like that, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right? You just oh. play faster. <laughs> <laughs> it's the full concert, just at seventy eight. Yeah, it's, it's tough because you don't get the soundtracks, you don't get that sort of attention. Right. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of a running gun. Situation. You know what I never really thought of was um, in those type of settings, the, the the festival shows, the because you talk about like lighting and stuff like that, like. Um, like how that all works because you know we we have our our MMRBQ every single year and I never really paid attention to because you guys have your own lighting guy right so you're you're or lighting people how many people do you got to uh, doing your I think there's I think there's just a lighting um and and video tech I okay believe. and then of course like the yeah all the other yeah. setting it up. Yep. So your question was? Well, uh, just how that, uh, you know, I forgot that I'd even asked a question. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you guys like to eat? No, how that, how that's, because it's. <laughs> I forgot I had a question. Well, you know, the, the, it started getting answered. And I was like, maybe the, the question got answered. I have no idea. <laughs> but the, the light, so you talk about the sound on the stage. That's one thing, right? So push so like, that out. When, <laughs> when, you know, one band ends and all of their equipment and all that stuff goes to the you know back of the house, and then the new stuff comes out. But like the lights don't come down, right? right. So you have to work with the lights that are in house. Absolutely. Okay. Un- unless, of course, if, if you are headlining the set, then you can bring in your situation. But yeah, if you're just one of many, yeah, you're. Uh, I assume you put you sanitizer on everything <laughs> just yeah, to make sure it's not you're not catching colds. Uh, well, listen, Coheed and Camry are getting ready for their own tour. The, yeah. Themselves putting on their own production, and it's getting underway. Uh, they're doing rehearsals right now. Kicks off actually. This is on Tuesday in Miami. That's where you guys have your first show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, good luck. And uh, Alkaline Trio is going to be on that uh, bill as well. I mean, if you've been looking for you know a nice body of work and you've never dove into the Coheed and Cambria catalog, it's all there for you. Sitting right it's there, a ready. Story waiting yeah. to be had. It's if you're a fan, be entertained. Just talking to John Anderson from Yes. You know, yeah, we just had him on last talking week. About it, it's there. If you say they don't make it anymore, they do, and you, the guys that are doing it, so it's awesome. Yes. And Josh has removed his tambourine from that. <laughs> Just it's now. hard to jog with that. Off. The gig's over, man. <laughs> Taking it off. Uh, you guys are awesome. We love you. Thank you so much for coming by this morning. Great. Wonderful to have you. Yeah. Let's hear it for Cody, yeah. Travis, and Claudio. We will take a break, and we'll be right back. Make sure you stay with us.
What's news? Why do you ask? Blank 182. Smashing Pumpkins. Bowl Beat. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. So, oh, I know what we were going to talk yes. about. Uh, we'd mentioned this yesterday briefly, um, but there's a new movie out uh, from our buddy Adam McKay. Yes. Uh, is it uh, Don't Look Don't Up? Don't Look Up. Yeah. And uh, Marissa went to it. I'm excited to see the movie. It's getting really good reviews, and she liked it. Um, I think she liked it. Marissa? <laughs> uh, yes, review, awesome. Two thumbs up. It was great. The cast is amazing. The How does it end? <laughs> um, well, so anybody who has seen it on opening weekend, um, there's like a dinner scene. Something happens. Um, you don't have to actually tell me how it ends because... I'm not going to tell you how it ends. I'm not going to spoil anything <laughs> Because you don't you, know. But I right. just want to lay the scene. There's like a dinner scene and then like something else happens. And then you fall asleep. I realized this because I fell asleep in the movie theater. <laughs> oh we went God. to like a 10 o'clock showing and it's really good, but it was like a dark movie theater and my blood was boiling, Steve, because there was a guy near us who kept like reading everything that was on the screen and uh, like well. narrating. Yeah. He's like, oh! Look, she she did that, and uh, we're like, there's six people in the theater. You don't have to freak that. the out. So, so anyway, so I'm um, yeah, that's all. I you fell, fell asleep. asleep. I fell asleep in the movie theater, and it took me like 24 hours. And I looked at my boyfriend. I was like, hey, um, what happened after the dinner scene? Because I kind of fell asleep. I was embarrassed. To did tell you me. had to work up the courage to ask because uh, okay, and because you fell asleep. Now, that reminded me when you mentioned that of one of the greatest stories I heard. Was uh, the uh, the movie Godzilla, the recent version, uh, which I uh, which I adore. I just think it's great, uh, but it is categorically one of the loudest, mm. uh, most um, magnificently sound mixed movies <laughs> available. I mean, I, I'll use it to demo my surround system at home mm-hmm. because it's so cacophonous. Preston, what happened when you went to go see that? Film? We went to we went to movie tavern to see it, okay. and, and and we we had. The only seats that were available were front row. So we were sitting, oh. you know, and you know how it is. Yeah. You're, you're like laying straight back, looking up at the screen. I forgot what we had done earlier that day or whatever, but I was exhausted. <laughs> Dude, I made it like 20 minutes into the movie and oh, wow. I was out. Out for the rest of the movie. I woke up, Steve, yeah. at the end in the giant battle that takes right. place <laughs> to... I mean, the, the most right <laughs> ear-shattering noise in the world, and I slept through most of that. I mean, there are That's countless awesome. battles, encounters, explosions, the sound of the creatures, the rumbling, and all that stuff. And I'm a light sleeper yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wake up easily. I was dead ass. Were, tired, were you man. stunned that you? Yes, I couldn't believe I fell asleep. <laughs> I mean. I understand. I have fallen asleep in a number of movies, Broadway shows, the dentist office, uh, Trey Anastasio concert. Like I can't. Like <laughs> that I really to me is do. the most miraculous. Yeah. That you the, of all of fish of Trey Anastasio that yeah. you would. And I think that and there's a difference. that was immortalized, wasn't that in a photograph? Oh, man, yeah. And there's, there's in the a, paper. It was in the Daily News. Freaking Daily News. Now listen, and there also is a big time difference between falling asleep and passing out. I did not pass out. Right. I, I wasn't like hammered right. or anything like that it was just it was a tuesday or wednesday night it was late uh i i had sat down 
I had cool sunglasses on, <laughs> and I was like, I can I can rest my eyes. Ike Richmond, <laughs> rest your you eyes. You should have known better. Yeah. Knew where I was, and I guess saw me sitting down and, and snapped a picture of me asleep, and then sent it to Dan Gross. By the way, if you have fallen asleep, and, and when you are not supposed to fall asleep, or in something in in a condition that that shouldn't uh, be uh, contribute to that, two one five two six three WMMR, Marissa. Casey, we are one in the same here. I've fallen asleep during spam a lot. Mm-hmm. The uh, play. Um, the musical, yeah. I fell asleep during an Eagles game. Like I was, it's it's when I was sitting down below and the seats are really tight. And was, I was it a night game? No, uh, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was between my dad and like another large man, and I wasn't allowed to stand up because it's when everybody was yelling at people for standing up. So it was like cold, and I was bundled up, and I could barely see the no. game. I was watching the screens. And at some point, I just, like, felt all nuzzled in. I, I, I can see, see, so there's a couple things that I think would, would, would distinguish this, Marissa, in your defense. You're bundled up, you're warm, you're cozy. Yeah. Two, there's sort of a stadium game din that sort of is, mm. in a way, atmospheric. Right, yeah. it's like a white noise right. machine. Yeah. It's seldom that you hear skyscraper lizards beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and, and that's that's the thing. But I, I, I could, uh, I'll give you that one. I think that's that's legit. My very favorite, though, is, um, is just I was getting a ride home. It's like my second or third year here. I was getting a ride home with Pierre um, from Cardboard <laughs> Classic. Or maybe it was Day Off the Slopes. And I literally, we sat in the car and I was like, tell me the history of MMR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Your start here. And I was asleep like three minutes into the when ride. But he knew, right? <laughs> no, he talked for like oh 20 God. minutes before he realized oh. that I was asleep. Oh and that's God. how I ended up shooting a man. <laughs> my mom will fall asleep anywhere at any time um so she i mean it's infamous so but this is a great story she was at a wedding and uh one of my brother's friends was talking to her was uh and she fell asleep sitting in the chair at the wedding while the guy was talking oh my god she fell asleep mid-conversation on the phone forget it if you've got like longer than like a two or three minute story i mean multiple people have gone hello Wait, wake up! Wake up! Like they know that she's sleeping on the other line. That's hilarious. I love uh, the scene in. Uh, I'm sorry, Casey. Yeah, in uh, uh, I think it was Iron Man three uh, when they're talking to the Mandarin. The guy, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's snoring all the they're talking to him. I love that scene. There's a. I'm sorry, Casey. Jump in as well. But there's a great Amer- uh, AFV America's Funniest Home Videos <laughs> video where this guy's apparently his. The, his, the guy that he talks to regularly, it just drones on, and so he'll set the phone on a pillow, and he'll kind of nod off while that's happening. But his, he, no one knew about it, so his wife caught him, you know, with, yeah, so recording great. it, and uh, it, it's great because you know that that can happen. It yeah. happens often. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've told this on the air. Uh, I fell asleep during Rent uh, on Broadway in New York City. Wow! And Dude, I so don't much know so how that, that happens. I didn't realize that uh, one character was another character. Oh, Angel! Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no <laughs> idea like what was going on. You know what happens to me a lot uh, over the years was uh, you know you would take your kid, especially when they're little, to see a movie, and yeah. it didn't matter what the movie was, and. Yeah. It, <laughs> exactly. If yeah. it's, just, it's just a kid's movie, yeah. and, you know, and you're like going to see the Crudes or whatever, and you're just yeah. like, yeah, uh, the, the oh, entire man. middle portion of this movie does not matter to me at all. It's dark. You're in the theater. And if you go to the movie tavern, by the way, 
They do sell alcohol there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I fell asleep at the Croods. I fell asleep at. I know I fell asleep at Astro Boy. That movie sucked. <laughs> I fell asleep at Robots. I fell. There's yeah. just tons yeah. of animated movies. I fell asleep. The last at. I think they're designed for that, yeah. right? There's probably some yes. sort of tone that is played to help parents sleep. But the last one I fell asleep at it actually was the latest Star Wars movie, The Rise uh, of Skywalker, or whatever. Yeah. I, I had already seen it. Uh, I saw like a press screening of it, so I, I okay. Took, I took my kids to see it. It was like a ten o'clock viewing on a Friday or Saturday night, it, I had had enough at that point, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. Aren't that odd to yeah. fall asleep in? I mean, it's dark. It's I, I don't. Well, think, now the chairs are comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that that's all that odd. I've fallen asleep getting a pedicure, and even <laughs> though it's a relaxing situation, you're not really supposed to sleep. I can see that though. It's com- well, it's so it's comforting. Massages are 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 um, quite. I, I think but that's probably a little more normal than the pedicure chair. My brother-in-law can fall. I mean, and I don't know if it's. Uh, yeah, Mark, a lot of it's very good. No, it's, but it's it's damn close because it, it can be in this cacophonous room, mm. you know, with a full 50 members of the family there, you know, also, and he was sitting there and I, I'm like, I envy you like you don't even know. Passed out on the couch. All right, we got a lot of great calls coming in. I'm going to go to Bill. Hey, Bill, good morning. Bill, are you there? He's asleep. Did you fall asleep or did you pass out? Shut <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Bill had a story. I'm, I'm going to relay it uh, because it says he fell asleep on a stool at a strip club. <laughs> and when you're on a stool at a strip uh-huh. club, you're on stage yeah. on a stool at a strip club. I would love to have heard that story. Uh, that's what that means, that he was on stage? Yeah. They, they bring you up and they'll pl- plop you up on a stool and, you know, do a dance for you. Something like that. Oh, oh no. We all of our phone lines. Just died. Everything. Everybody went away. Uh, that sucks. I did okay. get a text message from our no, friend. No, I think something's wrong with our equipment here. So no. Go ahead. Uh, no, from our friend Joe, uh, he, Joe Fuji. He texted me. He said, I fell asleep at a red light with his foot on the brake. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, dude, I've seen that. dangerous. Mm-hmm. So this happens. I've seen it happen a couple of times. I've spent a lot of, a lot of my life driving. Uh, and I, President, I told this story before. We're in a bumper-to-bumper traffic on the Long Island Expressway. So what happens is, is that we've been locked in the same place for a while, but then traffic starts to move, and the car in front of me is does not move, and it mm-hmm. stopped. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh, the guy must have nodded off. He wakes up and sees like open road in front of him oh, no. and guns it oh, and no. drives into the back of the vehicle because <laughs> oh, no. he thinks, oh my. Yeah, yeah. The, the second I start to, and, and I don't smoke anymore, when I smoked, I would just roll all the windows down and smoke and chain smoke cigarette after cigarette if I was getting you know, Yeah, to stay It doesn't even help me, though. Like, the windows what? open, loud music. Well, like it never, It never helped me. I always had to, especially college, and that was just because it was late nights. I was probably yeah. staying up late partying, but uh, I would drive. It was an hour from Westchester back to Bucks County where mm-hmm. I lived, and I would have to, the majority of the time, I'd have to pull over yeah. and take yeah. a nap. Yeah, yeah. It's, what, it's always a good idea to do that. I did that uh, last summer, headed down to the shore. I pulled over in Millville. Millville's my spot, man. That's what you got to train yourself. The lowest parking lot and pass <laughs> mm-hmm. out. Dude, it's not, it's not worth <laughs> risking it. Oh. Um, let, me, let me get some uh, calls here. I'll go to, hang on a second here. I have uh, Mike. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Good, Mike. You're on the air. Go ahead, buddy. So I actually uh, used to work overnight, and uh, my sister's, or my wife's sister had passed away, mm. and her family was really, really Catholic, 
Okay. So I ended up falling asleep during uh, my wife's sister's funeral. Oh. Catholic funerals are hard to fa- are easy to fall asleep in. Uh, you, you, there's a long the full service, ceremony, yeah. a full ser- service, and I, I can see that if you're an overnight worker. Did you catch any residual crap from that, Mike? Uh, yeah, I I almost got divorced. Wow. wow. Well, you know. But listen, it's you're working overnights. I mean, it's not like you went to the open coffin wake and hopped into the coffin to take a nap. I mean, you, you were, I assume you're just sitting in a pew and sort of nodded off a little bit, correct? Yes. All right. So yeah. that's not, I don't think that's divorceable. I, it's, it's not the best. How long ago was that, Mike? Uh, it was like three years ago. Does it still come up? Uh, yes. Okay. Were you open, were worked. you snoring out loud? <laughs> Uh, I wasn't snoring really bad, but I, like, did one of those, like, lean over onto my wife's shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wake up. She's dead. Oh, wow. All right. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> right. I just sent Marissa and all you guys a picture of our, our last Zoom meeting. Do you guys remember seeing me sleeping in my car? Yes. Oh, yeah, I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were asleep for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's go to, uh, we'll go to Joe D. Joe, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. First time I call her. Hey. Ah, welcome, Joe. What's your story you want to share with us, man? Uh, so back in the 90s, getting a tattoo, a tribal tattoo, uh, kind of cliche, uh, I, I started snoring. And the guy woke me up while I was getting a tattoo on my arm. <laughs> Fell asleep while getting a tattoo. I don't even know how that's possible. Don't but even God wake bless you, you up. Why, why, why wake you up? Just let you sleep. You want to per- I had to move my arm. Oh, you had to move your arm. You mind waking up, pal? Wow. All right. We're doing this now. Do you mind uh, being awake for it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, man. We'll go to Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning. It's Cousin Larry Appleton. Ah, (laughs) Appleton. Appleton. What's up, Mike? Uh, First off, hi, Jeff. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I am a a nurse, and I do volunteer hospice and home care. Now, I had taken a trip with one of my kids to Ireland. So you know that trip when you come back. and You're just exhausted on the way back. So I was checking in on all my patients on the way back or, you know, when I'm home and just flat out right in the middle of a medical discussion with this person fell sound asleep. I mean, out like a light. Uh, I had to call her back and apologize. uh, And I shouldn't have because she thought the phones just went dead. Uh, I screwed myself. Yeah, well, you're being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, we will go to uh, Margie or Margie. How do you pronounce your name? It's Margie. Hey, Margie. What's up? Hey, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. Um, good. I was asleep. I had to uh, pull over to look for directions. Okay. And as I looked down, before you know it, I was found asleep. <laughs> and this was at night. I didn't wake up until like maybe 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. Never got stopped by a cop. Wow! So you you pulled over to check directions, like you were you were looking at on them my, on my GPS. Yes. Okay, and and then all of a sudden out, not even realizing it, and then it's like it's like lost time. Was the car running? Was the car running? I'm sorry. Was your car running? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so wow. it was running for hours then. Yes. Sitting there. Hours. That's uh, yeah. That's not only yeah. that's troubling and potentially dangerous. But yeah, yeah I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. All right. Thank Jesus. you. I'm okay too. And then I came home and parked in my driveway, and I fell asleep again before I came inside. I think that's what she said. No, Before no. she came inside, she fell asleep in her driveway. Okay. Oh, yep. Uh, that can happen too. Uh, I will go next to Chris. Yo, Chris. Good morning. Hey guys, how's it going? Good man. What's up, buddy? 
So when I was younger, I used to work in a pizza place, and I worked for this uh, older guy. I guess he was like 60 at the time. Yeah, he would fall asleep counting the money out of the register, like standing up, counting the money, one hand, like, you know, money in one hand, money in the other hand, like, it was like being transported <laughs> into another dimension. It was crazy. Was this like every night that this would happen? Dude, it was like every night. Like, he would fall asleep like that. I'm like, I thought he was like that, standing up. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, Chris, <laughs> was was he sitting up when he would fall asleep? Or? Standing. 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 What? Standing. I've like heard. He, like, he got stopped counting money. Like, he was being transported into another dimension. He had money in one hand, money in the other. I closed. He was out. I'm like, holy crap. No, to, to that point, Chris and, and Preston, I I know for a Thanks fact guys. people can fall asleep standing up. It is the weirdest. It's like a horse. I have heard of that. Before. Yeah, I have passed out standing up, but I've never. Um, Steve and I. There's a movie that Steve and I love called uh, Used Cars. It's great. And there's a guy named Jim who <laughs> who like works on the cars. Yeah, and, like three times they show him. <laughs> Fast asleep. One time, he's got an acetylene torch lit, lit uh, yeah. in his hand, and it's just, <laughs> and he's just sitting there snoring fast. Another time, he's got the paint, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and it's on as well, and he's just there, completely passed out. It is hilarious. Can you go to line eight? Yeah, that absolutely. Blows my mind. Norm, hi, Norm. Good morning. <laughs> huh. All right, Norm, uh, tell us about your falling asleep story. Uh, all right, so I'm a big NASCAR fan, and uh, we used to go on the infield at Dover Downs, and we would rent a U-Haul truck, one of the, the small with the Toyota front end, yeah. box trucks, and they would, you know, you'd go get in line on Friday night, and they wouldn't let you in until Sunday morning, like 4 o'clock Sunday morning. So you partied Friday, Saturday, until you went in Sunday morning. Um we got into the race on Sunday morning, and usually you cook breakfast and you eat, and then you watch the race. I fell asleep while we were cooking breakfast in the back of the U-Haul truck. Mm-hmm. Woke up, and there was three laps left in the race. Oh. <laughs> That's a, and it is earth-shatteringly loud at those yeah. events. It's amazing, but I mean, anyone like who goes down trackside is not wearing ear protection is out of their minds. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's right. crazy. Thanks, Norm. Appreciate it. Uh, I'll, now, then there are other times where you fall asleep, and, and like him, you miss something important. Yes. Uh, we have Joe, who has his story. Hey, Joe, good morning. Hey, Gadzooks. Gadzooks show. All right, so what'd you do? So, thir- it was uh, my daughter's vocal concert was on a Thursday. I get done work. I was up early, you know, uh, tired as hell. So, I go and uh, get every- real quick shower, run to this vocal concert. <laughs> Uh, they, a couple kids before her, I'm starting to nod off. Uh, I'm sitting there right before she came on and sung her solo song. I fell asleep. I woke up to them clapping. Uh, so then afterwards I was like, I, I go up. I was like, you did great, babe. She was like, you were sleeping. She saw you. She saw you. But I mean, she's a cool kid. So she understood. I, you know, yeah, I mean, all right. and she ended up with a new bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Joe. I also fell asleep at a, uh, uh, we, we, it was a band trip we took to uh, Tennessee. It was uh, uh, my high school band. And um, we went to see a performance of, I forgot what, which university it was that we went to, but the uh, the orchestra was going to perform. And so we're watching, and I was into classical music because we played it, you know. And 
uh, we're watching the performance, and the next thing you know, I didn't even realize I fell asleep. And the next thing you know, I hear someone banging a gong repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I woke up at this moment in the eighteen twelve overture, <laughs> scared the hell out of me. What the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also want to go to, we got to take a break here in just a second. I'm going to go to Mike M. Mike, you're on the line. Good morning, sir. Good morning, it. Good, Good morning, morning it. it, bud. All right, so where'd you fall asleep? So on the Betsy Ross Bridge, on the top of the Betsy Ross Bridge, oh, I was geez. plowing snow for a couple days straight, and the storm was over, and we were heading back to Jersey. But there was an accident at the downside of the bridge, so all traffic was stopped. And after being up for a couple days, uh, we had two plow trucks, one in front of me and one behind me. And all traffic was stopped. And we're just in the truck. It's freezing cold and you're tired and the heat's going. And I just lean my head against the driver's side glass window. And the next thing you know, my buddy comes running from the truck in front of me back to me, pounding on the window, saying, the traffic's cleared, we got to go. The people were just flying by it. <laughs> oh, my God. No <laughs> oh. We were just still in the, on top of the bridge with traffic flying by. Like, really <laughs> Dude, you, and, and when, you, when you're coming out of it, it's like, ah, la, la, la. oh, you, yeah. You can't process. Yeah. I was so shocked. I'm yeah. Sure. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Well, anyway, uh, it was Marissa towards the end of the movie. Um, which is uh, Don't Look Up, yeah, and uh, missed the entire ending of the film because she just passed out. Yes. Imagine if you pass out like in the final three minutes of Psycho. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah, when everything's <laughs> revealed. All right. Well, listen, we need to take a break. Back in a moment. Stay with us. Get social with Preston and Steve. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And coming soon to OnlyFans. I'm kidding. Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre File. Part of the wooden stands collapsed during a bullfight in central Colombia on Sunday, sending spectators plunging to the ground and killing at least four people and injuring hundreds. This was wild footage, and I've watched like some of this footage over the years, and I always thought those stands looked so rickety. Uh, the disaster you know. took place during a traditional event called Coileja, in which uh, members of the public uh, enter the ring to engage the bulls. Uh, videos taken the bo- during the bullfight show a multi-story section of the stands collapsing as people screamed. Uh, the mayor said that 800 spectators were seated in sections that collapsed. Uh, besides the four dead, another four people were in intensive care and two others recovering from surgery. But, I mean, it just crumbled. To be honest, I don't know how more people aren't dead. If you watch the footage, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, a pilot preparing to land at Los Angeles International Airport told air traffic controllers that he saw what he thought was a man with a jetpack flying through the sky. 
Uh, the pilot was about 15 miles from the airport at an altitude around 4,500 feet. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Air traffic control said, I have a report of a jetpack 4,500 feet over the gate in the section, which is about six miles east of your present position right there. I love you, 3,000. Uh, the Federal <laughs> Aviation Administration said it's looking into the report. The agency noted that it has received reports of several other sightings, but has been unable to verify them. So I want to see a follow-up on that yeah, story. Yeah, absolutely. If they're able to track that if somebody, some mystery jetpack guy is out there. It's not out of the realm of believability. Might yeah. be the rocketeer. It Who could knows? be, yes. A man looking for his lost rooster made a chilling discovery Tuesday afternoon. No, no, no. Uh, in a news conference... A uh, police spokesman said that a local man was out uh, looking for his rooster, <clears throat> excuse me, in an empty lot when he stumbled upon something sticking out of the dirt. The man kicked it, saw that it was a human skull. Oh, oh, called 911. Did the rooster kill a guy? No, I don't I don't know. And then try to bury him? Uh, and then investigators arrived the following morning, including a homicide detective, medical examiner, and team of forensic anthropologists. Uh, digging with hands and to- hand tools in the shallow dirt, they discovered even more remains, including human arm bones. Uh, the police said it is too early to tell We're the gender. File this one under cockadoodle dead, <laughs> right? Cockadoodle dead. <clears throat> CSI. I wish I, I used to have the the music. Yeah. 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 Uh, so let's file this one under cockadoodle dead. It's uh, too early to tell the gender or if there was any trauma. It is too soon to tell how. Wait, long I got it. it. I found it. All right, go ahead. File this one under cockadoodle dead. Uh, it's hey. too soon to tell how long the remains have been buried, and it appears that they uh, they had been buried. Did he find the rooster? <clears throat> no. No word on the rooster. Damn it. Suspiciously. Yes. Almost as if it was planned. Right. Almost as if the rooster killed a guy, shaved his skin off, buried him, and then used that as a distraction. Uh, the rest of the skeleton was covered at the same area. The bones were likely there for a few years, they said. All right. Sorry to keep this short, All but right, just Glenn. one more because we have a guest coming up. Uh, Florida deputies responded to calls of a driver seen driving on a Sarasota County sidewalk to avoid rush hour traffic. You can't do that. Deputies were alerted when a concerned citizen provided dash camera footage of the driver on the sidewalk during the Tuesday morning rush hour. So here's what they did. They set up a sting the next day, Wednesday morning. And they were waiting, and the driver did it again. Uh Like, this was his move. Wow, man. He didn't do it out of desperation, like an emergency or anything like that. How reckless. Just to avoid traffic. Son of a bitch. What a dick. Uh, The driver was stopped, issued a citation, received a lecture about dangerous driving. So can you drive across lawns and things like that? Of course. Of course, but not the sidewalk. Come on. people walk. And that is what I have in the Bizarre File for you. We're going to take a break. So stay put. We'll return. Wait, what's that? Where was that place, Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks in and we've got bigger problems. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. What's up, Steve? Well, producer extraordinaire Vince Gilligan is reportedly working on a spin-off of Better Call Saul, which is itself a spin-off of Break. 
Breaking Bad. The new series involves Saul's neighbor who invents a robotic little girl and will be called Better Call Dicky. Oh, my God. Alec Baldwin's lawyer challenging the FBI after they concluded the actor did, in fact, fully pull the trigger on the gun that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Baldwin's lawyer now claiming the trigger was actually pulled by Stephen Baldwin. Oh. <laughs> and finally, Amber Heard hiring David L. Axelrod and J. Ward Brown of Ballad Spar to represent her in her appeal of the Johnny Depp defamation ver- verdict. Axelrod and Brown are reportedly L.A.'s, quote, top fecal lawyers. <laughs> In case you missed it, we revealed the numbers uh, from the I Bleed for President Steve Blood Drive. We did that a little while ago. Of course, it was on Friday. Um, raised more than 181 units from last year. Uh, 959 units of blood. That's huge. That's amazing, especially since they their, their projected was 800. Was that correct? Uh, yes. Wow. 959 units. Uh, Donated out of hoping for 800. So that's amazing. That's, that's pretty fantastic. So and thank you for coming out and being a part of that. And I'm thinking once we're completely done with the you know mask requirements and the numbers and all this stuff because that's still lingering when you're talking about you know these uh, uh, conditions where we're you know drawing people's blood. Uh, if next year that is all free and clear, which you know most likely will be, I think we're going to get in above that thousand eleven hundred number. Absolutely, and get back to absolutely record. But nonetheless, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for volunteering, for showing up, for being a part of the event, and we had a good time as well. It was great. It was first great to do the live broadcast. First time we've done yeah. a live broadcast, and uh, we just had we had a, we had a great time. So thank you to. Uh, Live Casino, uh, the Philadelphia Expo Center, all of our sponsors, including Recovery Centers of America, who were on location, and also Window Nation, providing the reasonable totes and ever-fresh juice and juice drinks and all the refreshments and things that we had. So, And I think, uh, from what I understand, the rate of, um, a lot of times when you do a blood drive, people show up and their their, their iron level's down or whatever. Um, they, they they really, most people made it on through, and that's why we got those numbers. So that's yep. fantastic. Yep, it was great. It's so, fantastic. So we'll do it again next year. Uh, All right, is our guest ready? Yeah, I just made an ass out of myself on the phone, but uh, we'll we talk about that later. Oh. I'm a huge fan of his, and I just kind of geeked out on him a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we can do that live here Doesn't if you want. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, the show that he's promoting is coming up. It's going to be July 14th at the Fillmore. Very cool. Great room. Uh, unacceptable is the title, and we are happy to welcome to the program this morning, Mr. Neil Brand. Yeah. Hey, Neil. Yes. Sorry, who was that embarrassing boy? <laughs> <laughs> what did he? What did he say to you, man? Uh, he referred to my. He's like, hey, man, I just want to say I really loved your uh, that uh, whatever you did that series that that uh, that song you made on Netflix. <laughs> he was just calling it a bunch of different things. <laughs> I didn't. All right, so he's got a. Um, it's a special on Netflix called Three Mics, which is great, it, and it is really, really great. We were going but on about it earlier. I, I yeah. was, and I called it a series. It's not a series. It's one show, and then I just I couldn't think of the name. What you would call it? It's a special, is what it's called. It's, it's like when people were. Refer to the uh, the movie or something as the uh, the, 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 the like the lead character by the title. Like, did you see when Streets of San Francisco went in the house? It's like so that you made <laughs> okay. that mistake. It's a common thing. It's okay. I think Neil looked good. And you know who does it a lot? 
Mom. Mom's yeah, doing do that a lot. All yeah. the time. Did you see when Jaws bit the guy? No, the, sh- the shark isn't named Jaws. Uh, but, uh, Neil, it's... You know, who did, you know who should work more is Jaws. Yeah. yeah. Jaws, yeah. Jaws needs to get more He work. really, really, after that initial run, you don't see much of him. But, no, Casey did bring up um, uh, three mics, and so this is very exciting. Unacceptable. Your uh, your show, which is you've obviously been been performing for a while, but bringing it here, it's a is, is a great thing. And when you say unacceptable, you are referring to yourself, correct? Yeah, no, I'm referring to Casey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Casey now is his unacceptable 2.0. That's great. Um, yeah, it's a, it's basically uh, all the ways. It's I just don't like really fit in to many categories like i don't drink i don't really smoke weed i don't eat meat i'm a bad liberal i'm not married i don't have kids i'm way too old to not be married and not have kids uh it's i'm at the age now where women don't trust the fact that I've not been married. <laughs> you don't at least have one yep. failed marriage. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what. No, I I do a joke that women would trust me more if I'd been married and murdered my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Neil, we've often said, and this is uh, this is something that uh, of the comedians that uh, that I uh, adore, and that I think collectively on the show do. The, the and just people in general, people who are self-deprecating, uh, are, are are to me. I immediately connect with that because you know you're you're always you're always running that that self sort of assessment. And uh, you know, in the in the past couple of years, you've raised it to to an art form. Has has it in fact been a release valve for you to be able to do this? Uh, yeah. To like, I doing stand up is the coolest job. Like, I you know, I have friends who. Are, have TV shows, and they're like, yeah, but, and they they might leave the show, and I'm like, dude, if you leave the, your show, you know what you get to be? You get to be a person who talks at night. <laughs> yeah. It's like the greatest job to me. Uh, I mean, no offense to you guys who talk in the morning. Yeah. It's not a bad job. <laughs> um, but, but, like, to talk, to just give speeches at night, I don't yeah. know. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool uh, thing to be able to do. Well, it's been a part of your existence. I think it was your 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 brother was a comedian as well, right? Correct. Yeah, he is a comedian. Yeah, he's yeah, a comedian. Kevin. Right, and so and so you were raised. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, David Tell and and uh, uh, yeah, I've known Tell since I was a freshman at Archbishop Carroll High School. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I went to uh, Cardinal Hara, and uh, and that's another... I feel like we could have been friends. If yeah. it wasn't well, such a tool. Keep, you can keep thinking that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah, I'm, like, from Phil. I went to... Car- I went to... I went to uh, Carroll and, you know, and and used to go on the Amtrak or take the step to... Uh, you know, it's the cheap. You can take the step to the Jersey Transit. It was like right. eleven bucks to New York. Uh, back in my day, it would cost you eleven bucks. <laughs> you transfer to Trenton, and they hey, there'd be people shooting at you. Uh, but wait, you're uh, you're a mainline kid, right? Yes, I. Uh, my mom still lives in Villanova, Ooh. and we grew up in Wayne. Like a lot of my brothers, like we lived in Wayne and Villanova. So there you go. Um, 
So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you do. Neil, you do. I don't know if this makes sense or if it's an apt comparison, but but I, I love your comedy as well. But I, if you had stayed a writer your whole career, I would I probably would have loved your your comedy just as much. And I, I put you in the same camp as like Sudeikis and John Mulaney and and these guys who earned their stripes. Tina Fey. Uh, writing first and then becoming performers. Um, was there? Were you nervous going from being a writer where you didn't have to be the guy out in front to then being that guy who was out in front? Or, or did, did that not matter to you? No, you know, no, yeah, it matters. Um, there, uh, there's gallons of diarrhea worth of difference. <laughs> um, there's, I mean, the 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 thing that always, you know, it's like when you write for people, they're your boss, right? So you're like, man. When I'm in charge, I'm gonna I'm gonna do things differently, and like you know, you don't. I'm not gonna have a boss. And what you realize is the audience is your boss. Like you, there's no way to avoid stress. Uh, like it's just a matter of like either I'm mad at, I'm either like not afraid of Dave, but like want Dave to like my stuff, or you know, then I start doing stand up, and I'm like, now the audience has to like my stuff. And if Dave doesn't like my stuff, I mean, like it's a pretty. Equally embarrassing, actually. I would say if, if bombing with an audience versus bombing with, like, a friend or, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember I was writing. I worked on Chris Rock's last uh, Netflix a little bit. And uh, I pitched him a joke right before at the night of the taping. And Bo Burnham directed it. So I pitched Chris a joke. And it was like, it just, it actually wasn't bad. But he was just like. Remember when Neil Brennan's punch had some pop? Oh, <laughs> oh man! But it was like I don't right, but that's just rock being rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a very mean rock story. Please, in the show. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to tell it because it's like it's very. Fun. I'll tell you uh, the second meanest thing rock rock's ever said to me. So, at the um, there was at the premiere or the opening of uh, Three Mics, right? Um, Dave's there and Rock is there. Actually, it was pretty pretty nerve wracking. It was Dave, Chris, uh, Trevor Noah, Seth Meyers, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, like all kind of in the same row, which was like maybe scatter them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and, that uh, could have made a difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, but then if it doesn't, ju- I mean, you can when that it's like I guess that speaker's blown out when right. I don't get a laugh from that section. <laughs> um, so. So afterward, me and Dave and Chris are getting our picture taken together, and then we all walk away, and uh, publicist goes, hey, Neil, they want a picture of you by yourself. And Chris looks at me and goes, for the first time in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Wow. He's the meanest. He's very mean. It's very mean. it's funny because I I mean years and years ago I I, I did stand up for a while and and at that time people like um, uh, Rosie O'Donnell had just gotten Star Search and uh, there was the Eastside Comedy Club in in uh, in New York that's that's where I'm from and some of those some of those clubs and Chris Rock was like um, was an Eddie Murphy friend and 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 he came in and. and but, I, you know, you you look at him in comparison. If you want to watch the way you've applied yourself to the art of stand-up and then the people who really get good at it, initially he was very dismissible. And then in short order, it seemed, had that epiphany where, I'm, you know, I want to do something that's more um, impactful and more uh, a representation of me. And, and for you, Neil, it seems like 
you know, you, you started to um, conceptualize the presentation of, you're always very funny, but there's you made a concerted effort to have a method to your madness. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I did a special for Comedy Central, and it was like, did well ratings-wise. I still post clips from it on Instagram, and I'm like, these are good jokes, but yeah. people just kind of didn't care. And uh, I was, uh, uh, I had my own Eddie Murphy named Dave Chappelle. And uh, I was like, you know, sort of like, yeah, Dave's plus one or whatever. Um, so I had to figure out a way to make it more remarkable for people. So that was the impetus for three mics. And now this one, it's thematic in terms of like um, the material. And it's sort of not just, it's not just stand-up. It is. It's a lot of stand-up. It's like 90% stand-up, where it's like the last one was probably 65% stand-up and like 35 and uh and and so this one is like probably 90-10. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. for for you know, those who don't know, three mics, there's three mics set up on the on the stage and uh one mic is is for like traditional stand-up, another mic is, you know, the the and when you know, a certain joke is done, the light will go out there, and then you'll show up on another mic, and that mic is just strictly for, like, one-liners. And then when that light goes down, then you have another mic, which is more like spoken word, and it's not necessarily comedy. Um, but, like, what really drew me in about that is uh, it's just you telling the truth about yourself. And, like, I think real, real good comedy is um, are, are comedians up there, like, telling the truth about themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's the that was the, I knew like that was like a a thing I'm I could do well, which is just be like kind of write emotional yeah monologues, kind of like if you've ever been in like a twelve step meeting where people are <laughs> they call them shares. Mm -hmm. um, they don't. They don't need twelve step meetings in Philadelphia because people don't have drinking problems. No, <laughs> uh, we managed to beat that a while ago. Oh, did you get? Oh, that's cool. Um, so uh, that's what I love about the city, um, uh, especially not Sundays in the fall. Um, and uh, and so yeah, I was like, I would go to twelve step meetings sometimes and hear people share these riveting stories, and I was like, if there's a way I could rip that off, yeah. Um, uh, but kind of, it is sort of riveting and people don't really, now people talk more. I mean, people get a little more emotional every day. Yeah. Uh, culturally. Um, but it's still like somewhat stigmatized or like quote unquote queer as we used to say. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, for example, and we've talked about this a couple of times with a couple of different comedians. I love the, uh, the Apatow's, uh, George Carlin, uh, documentary. And, uh, there, there was a point. Uh, and it's so wonderful. We were talking to Bill Burr about this, not to, not to drop names, but he's he's saying um, he appears in the documentary where they, he and his buddy were going to go make fun of uh, Carlin, the iteration they thought Carlin was at a certain point where he was almost a parody of himself. And yeah. unbeknownst to them, Carlin had come to the realization that I've, I've, I've got to do more. I've got to be more true to myself. And he unleashed that night, you know, the new Carlin and, and Burr's reaction is so tangible, like, oh, my God, this is a seismic shift. And because you can, it, you know, the, the comedy only seems, I think, what you do very well, Neil, is it seems much more impactful when you're juxtaposing it against these kind of real 
visceral things that occurred in your life. Well, yeah, there's like obviously prior is a good example of that Carlin didn't Carlin didn't really Carlin got angrier yeah. and did those like vitriolic monologues. The thing that impressed me about the documentary was uh, that he did it out of pure competition with Tennyson. Yeah. Um, like that was what surprised me because I, I everybody thought it was Hicks. And uh, and it was like no, it was, he saw Kennison and was like, well, I'm not going to be like an also rant. Um, so th- th- it means more. You can see almost anyone go talk about because honestly, Bird doesn't isn't very personal. No, I don't know that much about his marriage or his kids or any of that stuff. But like, I think he, I it still feels real. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and that's the the point of it is trying to make it feel like it isn't like, hey, everybody, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, I'm, I'm really uh, interested. You can just get that from anybody. I'm really interested to see what accept, uh, unacceptable is like because um, it's directed by Derek Delguadio, and we had him on. Um, I had seen in and of itself, and I, I, I. You know, so talk to Preston the next day. I'm like, dude, you got to watch this. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to tell you anything about it. Yeah. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to give you any ideas as to what to expect. But just trust me and watch it. And it's it's uh, just it's a riveting. Oh, it blew me away. Yeah. It was so unique and so uh, uh, so uh, you know unassuming. Yeah. So you're getting into you know so you with what you do and then he with what he does. I'm I'm very very interested to see what this collaboration is like. Uh, he is a magician and but he doesn't like magic so he mm. he's literally has never done a card trick even he's not even come close to a card trick around me and i resent it um, <laughs> you son of a bitch so are you a comedian uh, that doesn't like comedy no i love comedy that's the thing guys i i've said four funny things i would give you more I, yeah i'd like the record to reflect that guys you said you like self-deprecation we all know it's nine funny things <laughs> but you say four and yes and it makes people think that you're a humble guy yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I also want to give you kudos because I watched the Kennedy Center uh, Awards when um, when uh, Chappelle was inducted, and I thought your presentation was the the best, and there were some heavy hitters that got up on that stage, and I thought, you know, you're just so comfortable. I don't know if you are as comfortable as you present when you're up there on stage. Uh, I mean, it, I'm... It depends. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. At this point, I've been doing stand-up 15 years, so it's like it's a, I'm used to it. And and that night, that night, you know, I got off stage. Like, I I crushed. It was awesome. You did? You know? It was also awesome, like, to do it in front. Like, the, the not even, like, the backstory, but, like, they didn't want me to be on it. Mm. They wanted me to write for it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not writing for it. Um, and, uh, like, I wrote some of the material that you guys are honoring them for. So I'm not going to honor the, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, will you write a, a compliment about yourself? <laughs> um, and uh, so, so yeah, I, so I, I basically, the, the, the reason I seem uh, better than people was because I got off stage and Keenan Thompson was like, how did you do that? And I go, I practiced. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, every, 
everybody tried to play Dave's game, which is like, I'm a cool guy who's making stuff up. And um, I'm, I, knew, I learned a long time ago that, like, I'm never going to be on Dave's level by being a cool guy and seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, so, like, I had to – so I just practiced the uh, monologue in at the comedy store. Um, I, Which well, was kind of weird to go like, do you mind if I honor this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be kind of weird. Thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> uh, let me honor Dave Chappelle. Uh, <laughs> and the, they must have been wondering, well, what are we looking at here? <laughs> well, yeah, they were kind of like, wait, what? What are you doing? They kind of figured it out, but it was because it wasn't a roast writ necessarily. Yeah. Because people try roast jokes out, but I was like, can I? Can we do some honoring? Um, By the so, way, yeah. if, if people so, are just tuning in, I want to remind that Neil, uh, we're talking to Neil Brennan. He's going to be uh, performing at the Fillmore on uh, July 14th. The show is called Unacceptable. Two Casey's, um, I don't know if you really had a question about it, but with Derek uh, Del Guadio, uh directing this, uh, is, there, is there a format of the show that is going to make it unique or is it straight stand-up or is there is there some setup to this? There now let's just let's just say it's straight stand up. Okay. Good. Um there's like eventually it'll stream and it might be a little souped up a little differently. Okay. Because Derek I- special, like I saw Derek live and I thought his um the way he filmed it for Hulu was I thought it was like one of the only things I'd seen that was better, almost better on camera than it was live. Okay. Um so so, like the any sort of upgrade is 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 coming, but okay. it's not going to be like oh, so you're gonna I'm going to be at the Fillmore bombing. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I am ripping people off, believe me. Um, so, so yeah, no, so yeah, it's involved in Philly, but okay. but eventually when it's streamed, it'll be somewhat more obvious. Cool. I want to, uh, you know, you've, you've talked about the uh, the ayahuasca um, um, experience that uh, you had. I guess you did a, a fair amount during quarantine. And but you also said you yeah. you weren't very, um, you know, not a drinker, not not you know much into pot. I've I've never been drunk, and I've never done any of, of that. But I wonder, you know, like one time I received. Uh, I had a, a, an intestinal thing, and, and they gave me a little bit of morphine, and I was out for two days. I wonder for you, your your system. Um, From morphine, you were out for two days. Yeah, it knocked me the f out. So, um, what about you? If you really weren't had hadn't built up that blister of you know having done the other stuff, how hard did that ayahuasca experience hit you? The ayahuasca, the first ayahuasca. time, I I I don't. You can sort of gauge how much you drink, so it's not. It's I would drink like a quarter of an ounce or a half an ounce, right? So, but there were points where I would drink. I did drink too much one time, and uh, it was it was wild. Like I have a very low tolerance. You're right. Was I out for two days? No. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. But uh, that's absurd, and I hope you feel a lot of shame about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was given it. I was. I didn't voluntarily take it. I was. Be, I was a doctor gave that to me. So yeah, but it did. Medical doctor. Yes. What were they trying to? What were they trying to? Uh, I had. Bad, really bad food poisoning. And, and it's one of those things where both doctors who are looking at your x-ray are shaking their head and you're like, oh, this isn't good. So I was in such pain. They gave me the um, uh, the morphine. I, I kid you not. I slept for two days. That's pretty good, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they say two days is morphine, three days is a coma. 
So, <laughs> that's, thankfully, yeah, that's the saying. <laughs> that's the old saying. Um, that is the saying, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so ayahuasca, I did, uh, there was a point where I drank too, because I did the old thing of like, it's not working, give me more. Oh, right. Uh, the old edibles thing. Yep, totally. And uh, and then it, I got clobbered. Um, mine, I didn't, I didn't, um, I wasn't in, uh, in a coma, but I did go to outer space and I died by myself as the universe died. Oh, wow. that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty great. That's um, pretty yeah. good. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was as like Saturn and babies and rivers and black holes. Wow. They were like, all right, we're turning the valve. We're turning the switch off. And I was like, well, this is absolutely terrifying. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to it's amazing if you can, if you have an opportunity to do it. Honestly, right. I just drink too much. Normally, it's a beautiful thing. All right, all right. Well, people can take some and go to your show and see <laughs> what kind of what kind of hole yeah. they fall down. So Saturn will open up for Neil, right? Uh, are, yeah, he's Saturn. Yes, yeah, yeah. unacceptable. July fourteenth at the Fillmore. The show's at seven thirty. You can get tickets at neilbrennan.com. We'll have stuff posted on our uh, socials and website and stuff about that as well. So cool, excellent, Neil. Uh, thanks for checking in, man. Have a great time when you get into town, and uh, hopefully, we'll talking with you again down the road. All right, folks. Great talking to you. All right, man. Take care. Neil Brennan. Yeah. That's awesome. He's great. We need to take a break. We're going to do it. We'll be back in a second, and we will get the B-File when we return, so stay with us. 